This is Oscars Playback on the Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce saying, Joyce, what a thrill to be back doing Oscars Playback for the 2001 Academy Awards. Do you see what I did there? It's always a thrill because are we not entertained? Or are you terribly vexed? <laughs> terribly vexed. I'm what always- a year. Uh, 2000 in film, Joyce. So we're, we're doing some bonus episodes of these. So we, we did the 90s, including the 90s ceremony, which was uh, for the 89 year. Now we're doing the 2001 ceremony for the 2000 year, because this was right after 99 in film, which we've talked about. Greatest year ever, right? Best year ever. They've written books about it. 2000, I would say- And then say, you cover that you can't find anymore, so. No, right. We talked about that. It's, uh, it does not exist. Yeah. Uh, 2000, I would say, I saw a lot of these movies in the theater. I was gra- I graduated college in 2000, Joyce. So May of 2000, I was a college graduate. Congratulations. Thank you. It was really great. You're the first graduating class of the new millennium. Yes. And I was the first person to graduate college who could not read, as we talked about. I don't know how to read. Yeah. Did, were you able to read Inside Oscar 2? Because this year is the final year oh. of that book. There's no more. <laughs> we're done after this. <laughs> and I didn't even look at it. I'm going blind on this one. I was looking at articles because I found articles. Uh, but no, 2000 in film, I saw a lot of these movies. Uh, and it was a fine year. It, I, looking at it now, I was like, it's hard to figure out. It feels like a little bit of like, not a death rattle from 99, but definitely like some leftover stuff that would have been appropriate in 99, some bigger like franchisey things coming down the pike. It feels like a transitional year to me for movies. And obviously after this, the Academy Awards happened uh, in March of 2001 and months later we'll have 9-11 and uh, the industry seemingly changes that following year's Oscars is, uh, you know, a big, a big lavish. The longest Oscars ever. Yes. Um, so yeah, what were you what were you up to in two thousand, Joyce? Before what we was I up to in two thousand? Um, I turned fifteen, so I finished my freshman year in high school, and then I was going into my sophomore year. Um, good times, and yeah, I saw a lot of these movies too. I'll, I when I was going through the list of like two thousand and film on Wikipedia, of course, I was like, I saw like half of these in the theater. And most of them I just saw on pay-per-view. Interesting. Like frequently, like over and over again. It's like funny. Like 571. Right. I didn't see that in the theater, but I just kept watching it on pay-per-view. Interesting. I've never actually even seen you 571. Wow. Good yeah. film. Okay. Uh, some of these, yeah, like I said, we're in the midst of college graduations so on 99. So like some of them, I feel like I always equate with the year 99, like a movie like Boiler Room, Joyce. Love Boiler Room. Love Boiler Room. That came out, I remember that came out in February 2000, which yes. was um, right before in, in New York, we have the winter break in February. Yes. I love that break because I, I, until college, I did not realize this was not a national thing. <laughs> right. So, and a lot of these, I'm like, that's the reason why I kind of like, like blend a lot of these together with 99, because a lot of these, the, the, the winter ones, at least all came out while we were still talking about the 99 movies because the Oscars hadn't happened yet. Right. So like the, like boiler room was out, we're still talking about like Magnolia. It was wide released a few weeks before, you know, and like, it's like still a thing that people are discussing. Yeah. And then the week after boiler room, Wonder Boys came out, which right. was kind of a, a leftover thing from the year before. And then that was, that was kind of like an also ran for this cycle yes. because they didn't make it in and Michael Douglas didn't make it into best actor and it kind of felt like um so like years later Shutter Island reminded me of Wonder Boys because yeah. that was delayed 
until February. And then, but before it was delayed, it, it felt like that was, it, that, that could have been an Oscar vehicle, right? And then it yeah. just didn't happen for the following cycle. Right. Yeah. And I don't think Michael Douglas would have beat Kevin Spacey or Russell Crowe for Best Actor in 99, yeah. but I think it could have gotten a little more shine. And it's on my list for a few alternate picks here because I think it maybe would have done well Otherwise, I'll give you another one. I saw that one in the theater and also this one, Joyce. And I rewatched this last year because I was like, I just love it. Reindeer Games. I have not seen that since I watched it on pay-per-view. Fantastic John Frankenheimer movie. (laughs) I think it's one, I think it's his last movie, right? Uh, John Frankenheimer, I believe. I'm going to click here, of course. It might be his last film before he died. Um, He was scheduled to direct Exorcist. Uh, He did a short film for BMW. His last theatrical film was 2000 Stranger Games. Ben Affleck never put a car thief behind a wheel. It's like a leftover vestige of like post Pulp Fiction uh, Tarantino ripoffs combined with like Frankenheimer doing Ronin, but a goof. Aaron Kruger wrote the script who had written uh, Arlington Road, which was a twisty one. So it's like a lot of twists make into this. Charlize Theron uh, doing like two completely different performances for the same character. Gary Sinise is in it as like a really uh, b- villainous guy who ends up being like kind of a patsy. Affleck is awesome. The movie people hate. I just love it. I rewatched it last year because that was, was the anniversary. Was February for Ben because it was yes. back-to-back weeks with Boiler Room and Reindeer Games. And right. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Ben and Boiler Room, just iconic uh, stuff. But like doing the Alec Baldwin in Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross part. Boiler Room, I recently rewatched Joyce on Pluto TV, which I just love. Pluto TV is made for uh, 40 to 45-year-old people who watched movies in the 90s. That's all they show. Desperado, you want to watch Desperado? I've watched Pluto. anything on Pluto before. I got to say, Joyce, I think you'd get a kick out of it based on- I'm sure things. I would. I just- You're, you're younger oh. than me, obviously, but yeah. I think you'd still like it. Uh, no, Reindeer Games is a great time. So a lot of these movies I like look at as like 99 movies is like what I was saying. But then, and then you get like Aaron Brockovich, which I just rewatched last night. Love Aaron Brockovich. Um, that's still on TV frequently. So I watch it whenever it's on TV. It doesn't matter like what part of it, the movie it's in. If I turn it on, I see it. I, I'll watch it. Fantastic movie. Uh, just the best. And We'll talk about that a lot. We could go through. So the, the top grossing movies of the year, Joyce, we'll start there uh, and go, and then we'll go through some stuff. It was Mission Impossible 2 was the top grossing movie. Got a John Woo coming into the Mission Impossible franchise was a big deal. Uh, not a great movie. It's actually my least favorite Mission Impossible movie, a franchise I truly love. Um, totally fine. Um, I remember I, we saw this, uh, I saw this with my family on opening night. Cause my mom is a huge MI fan, the series. Right. So she, um, grew up watching that. Um, so we watched a lot of the mission impossibles in the theater. So I just remember seeing this. Um, and then we we're just like, that was okay. <laughs> I didn't love it. I, I love, so like I said, I'm a huge, I love the first Mission Impossible. That was a movie I saw in, on VHS. And I remember it was one of those ones I rented for Blockbuster and then immediately rewatched. There were a few movies I was like, oh, it's a two-day rental. I'm actually going to rewind the tape and rewatch it again. That was one of them. I just loved it so much. And I've seen it a million times. So I was really hyped for Mission Impossible too. John Woo was like kind of in the midst of an American renaissance slash breakout, right? Like he had like Broken Arrow and all these different movies that people were like super excited about and rediscovering or discovering for the first time. 
and it had a great Limp Bizkit theme song choice. Do you remember this was a- Yes, a- Limp Bizkit was uh, huge this time. Obviously, yeah. I also was very into MTV and TRL. Same. So I was like, this movie is going to rule. And it sucked. I did not like it. And I've, it's actually one of the ones I have not revisited at all. And I've rewatched almost all the Mission Impossible movies multiple times, including Mission Impossible 3, which is amazing. And Philip Seymour Hoffman should have gotten an Oscar nomination for it. Um, but maybe we'll talk about that someday down the road. So, like the thing I- associate Mission Impossible 2 with the most now is how it stopped DeGray Scott from becoming Wolverine because he was originally cast in uh, X-Men which came out July 14th 2000 love that movie I mentioned last week was it that I saw the ticket stub yes for that Um, great 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 film Um, but yeah he had a scheduling conflict with MI2 so he had to drop out and then they cast Hugh Jackman and a star mm-hmm. was born and he only had like three weeks. And he's prepare. amazing. And yeah. do great Scott. And he made what, like nine movies? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Mission Impossible 2, not great. Number two movie is Gladiator, Joyce. Absolutely loved Gladiator. It was uh, easily one of my favorite movies of this year. I, I just was so into it. We saw it opening weekend. So I went to Fordham University, Joyce, which is in the Bronx. They had a Ram van to get us from our campus to the Lincoln Center campus. And then we went and saw it at Lincoln Square, the theater of choice for my 20s and even now still Joyce I still go to see movies there because a lot of screenings at Lincoln Square a lot of screenings and also just generally great theater to see movies at um and just love Gladiator was like this is a real movie this is this is a kick-ass movie a real movie (laughs) it's a real one it's so good uh Russell Crowe are you not entertained uh terribly vexed Joaquin uh just incredible action It, it was so cool I just remember thinking it was so cool I have not seen Gladiator in a very long time. I can't remember the last time I have seen it. Like, I don't even know if it was in the last decade, but uh, love the score. The soundtrack is great. My friend is obsessed with it. He, like, we tell each other what we want for Christmas. So that year he was just like, just get me the Gladiator soundtrack. So Amazing. Got it for him. He still has it CD, obviously. I saw this. So this came out May 5th, 2000. Mm-hmm. I did not see it opening night because that night was the series finale of Boy Meets World, mentioning Boy Meets World for the second week in a row. Obviously have to. Um, yeah, also Daniel Fisher's birthday that day too. So I uh, recorded the series finale of Boy Meets World on VHS, which I still have, commercials and all. Like Neutrogena, Jennifer Love Hewitt, 2000 commercials, you know. Um, so then I saw Gladiator, Gladiator the next day on Saturday. Yeah. Great movie. It's, uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite. It's not my favorite of this year either um but highly entertaining i mean it says it right on the box are you not entertained i don't know if it's my favorite of this year i think almost famous probably still is and i love almost famous to death uh but gladiator's still up there i've not also have not seen it in a very very long time but i did go through a phase where I, we watched it a lot it was definitely a rewatchable a classic rewatchable as they say castaway number three love castaway and then rewatched that recently and it's just an incredible movie it is actually so good uh, I think it's it's an, a great movie. Saw that in the theater. It came out, I think, in December of the, this year. So it was definitely it a out, 2000 yeah, December movie. December 22nd, right. uh, big day. Um, yeah, I saw it in a theater. And I I also can't remember the last time I've seen it. Um, right. You I should would, rewatch it. It's good. It holds up. I would up. just say that, you know, I think everyone agrees that the the castaway parts of just the, the Tom and Wilson parts are the best. I think they are, but I don't think it's like, I think that's been the critique of it later. But if you watch the when you rewatch the movie, the the 
bracketing parts are not that long and they're not in it that much. You know what I mean? Like the beginning. No, kind of but I think, I think it's just kind of like you, once you like get out of it, I think it's like you, you kind of expect the momentum to change when he leaves, obviously, right. but it's still, I don't know. I feel like it, it, there, there's still like a level you can still sustain to like carry through to the end. Cause it's like, obviously he's not going to remain there forever, you know? Right. I don't know. I think it's sustained. I, I don't say when you, re, if you rewatch it, I think it actually really holds up. It's definitely like, this is a great, I think this is actually now an underrated, it made $400 million. So it's impossible to say this. And it was an Oscar nominee and obviously all these things, but I actually think it's like underrated in the Tom Hanks uh, filmography, because I think people do maybe discount it as a gimmick or kind of just, uh, you know, boil it down to Wilson but it's great I think it's just so good I, I think he, and he's amazing in it though so, as we'll talk about I don't know if he should have won we'll we'll, t- we'll get this with best actor but I, I mean it is a great performance from Hanks he had to they filmed that because they had to take a break yeah for him to gain the weight right well he had the Oscars I think in the year before he had the beer yeah, right yeah like he oh. he was like mid but they had to take a very long break to give right. him time to gain the weight yes uh number four at the box office choice uh, Nancy Myers, uh, classic. What women want. Mel Gibson. Whatever happened to that guy? Um, not singing, bitch. I don't think. Uh, this is a great year for Helen Hunt. She's the third and fourth highest grossing movies of the year. Yeah. Uh, and I, so I, I love Nancy Myers movies. I think she's great. What women want. I was never that into. It was like just always felt like a little, a little hoary. You know what I mean? Like just kind of hack. It's it's one of those movies where it's entertaining when you watch it, even though you right. know it's problematic. Right. Uh, next up on the list was one I actually never even saw slash even heard of. Uh, hang on, let me find it. It is Dinosaur. You've never heard of Dinosaur? No. I was like, what is this movie? It made $350 million. It's, it's an movie. animated movie. I was I like, mean, the- I, didn't, I didn't see it either. It came out in <laughs> Um, it was like their Disney summer thing. But I was like the good dinosaur? Discussed multiple times already. They were transitioning out of the Disney Renaissance era. Right. It certainly was. But it still um, made a ton of money. Because you know what people like to see when they have kids? Movies. You know what they're going to you know go? With movie it made more money than Lightyear did this year. Yeah. So. Well, Lightyear is not great. Uh, as someone I did not see Lightyear. So. You could watch an HBO Max uh, now, probably, as this is airing. I think it comes out on August 3rd on HBO Max. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, not the Yes, uh, not my, not my. Uh, don't have any real plans to watch it really. So uh, next up was how the Grinch stole Christmas. Uh, John, uh, Ron Howard movie with Jim Carrey as the Grinch. Didn't see it. I I saw it in a theater. What you think? Uh, not great. Um, it's just there's too much going on, and it's just it's like it's like very schlocky um but I think like it it felt like they were just trying to obviously like cash in this was it felt like this was like when people were starting to tire of Jim Carrey you know yes absolutely and he had come off of I mean let me see if I can well he he had come off of the Truman Show Man on the Moon right so he needed like it felt like it was like I gotta do something here that's like right exactly gonna get the money yeah, so they were trying to like get back to like the early '90s or yes. mid '90s era Jim Carrey, yes. and this was just not it. So I'll, I, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this movie, but it won an Oscar choice for best makeup. Yes, I read. I sent you the quote last night in, in, in a backstage article from AEW. Rick Baker, who won best makeup, 
Uh, I'm sure that he they would love for this quote to remain buried, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says uh, he had a backhanded compliment for star Christine Baranski, who we love, who played Martha May. Diane Lockhart all the way. Uh, and, you know, we've been watching a lot of Mamma Mia. You know, it rules Mamma Mia. And if we ever do the 2008 movies, I will say that should have been a Best Picture nominee and Meryl should have gotten, would have maybe could have won Best Actress, especially against Kate for The Reader, because The Reader is not that good. Anyway, Christine Baranski, he says- I have such doubts about that, but sure. <laughs> I mean, she's good in doubt, but it, Mamma Mia, she's unbelievable. And uh, he says she had subtle makeup because she looked like a who to begin with. And then the EW editorializing, ouch. And then another quote. I said to Ron Howard, I don't think she needs an appliance put on her, but he said, I think we should use one because she might feel bad if everybody has a plastic face and she doesn't, but we just kind of changed her lip, not her nose. And then the EW again, she, whoever said makeup improved self-esteem. Not, not what you want, probably, especially for a legend like Christine Marantz. No, we, we could like aggregate that now and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it would go over great. <laughs> People be thrilled. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway, uh, next up was meet the parents, Joyce. I love this movie. Saw it at the Soundview Movie Theater, which was, I think, the Cineplex Odeon. I don't believe it's still there in Port Washington. It's a great movie, and I loved it because it takes place on Long Island, and there's a scene of them driving on the LIE, and I was like... It shot, you? Joyce, it shot in Port Washington. They yeah, I know. <laughs> in Port Washington, literally, Louis the restaurant, which is, I'm not sure if it's still called Louis, but I know they changed owners, is in the shot with an old sign that they had that was neon. And then they're driving down Main Street in Port Washington, right past you, the train. You know station. what didn't shoot on Long Island? The tender bar. No kidding. And yeah. that's what we, we want the verse multitude uh, of, of this. Uh, the tender so, bar needed to be Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents is absolutely hilarious. It, it's a great moment for Ben Stiller. De Niro is so funny. Uh, I oh, just love it so much. An, an incredible Owen Wilson quasi cameo. He's, it's just amazing. This movie will come up again, Joyce, because guess who's got it in his uh, hopeful best picture? I just remember, so my, I saw it with my parents and then my dad just absolutely died at the last line when Blythe Danner was like, oh no. And Robert De Niro was like, what? She was like, Pam's middle name. And then they go like, Pamela Martha Fokker. <laughs> and my dad, I can still like hear him guffawing in my head because he just completely lost it it's so good and it was a great time because this was still even though he did analyze this and stuff this was still a time where it was like a mostly novelty for De Niro to like spoof De Niro mm -hmm. now I think it's like really tired and this was a great Ben Stiller moment where he was just this perfect clown every man yeah, I think so Ben Stiller I, in these movies I, is I great. felt like they, I understand why they did the sequels but they should have just kept it as this yeah. I saw Meet the Fockers which was fine i did not see little fockers i've never seen little fockers either meet the fockers is is dustin hoffman and barbara so it's actually yeah. not the worst but it, no, it's definitely fine but it's not else. as good as meet the parents no. incredible movie uh next up was the perfect the perfect storm wolfgang peterson epic uh with mark Wahlberg totally into the perfect storm and george clooney what you think you liked it I loved it. And it was, this was like, it came out at the end of June. Um, it was it was the same day as The Patriot, I think. Or was it was. Patriot. Saw both of these in theaters. Um, I was not into The Patriot. Um, uh, I thought it was okay. You know what I really loved in The Patriot? Heath Ledger. R.I.P. Well, Heath, Heath was great, um, as always. But yeah, I love The Perfect Storm. And this was also um, when, because like George had already left ER at this point. He left in February 99. 
so and this was him like fully transitioning into movie star because he also has oh brother we are at that later this year yes and it was actually working right i don't think the movie got great reviews but it was still like a huge hit it was huge hit and it was a weird i mean it's weird now to think of it as a summer blockbuster because it's incredibly sad because everybody dies Mm -hmm. at the end including george and uh it also is like a reunion with george and mark where you're like mark Wahlberg, where you're like oh Clooney and Wahlberg are going to be like a thing and then Wahlberg's not in oceans 11 and he kind of gets booted out of that group yeah he couldn't do oceans 11 and Um, damon did it i believe and then that the rest is history because i don't think george Clooney, and mark Wahlberg have done a lot together since no and honestly they don't i'm sure they're, they're like friendly and cordial but i like i'm just projecting here but like george and matt seem like they're they get along more than george she and seems a little more simpatico yes uh next up was the x-men which like you mentioned was a big deal uh you know a superhero movie this was uh you know, brian singer now canceled but at the time it was like wow brian singer leveling up from uh, an indie filmmaker to becoming a superhero filmmaker yeah, and it, it it was kind of, you know, after Batman and Robin right. starring George Clooney right. was a complete disaster. Yes. Um, this kind of repaired the summer superhero blockbuster. And then we had Spider-Man two years later. And, you know, obviously now we have one every year. So um, very, and a very this, big yeah, game. This is a great movie. Uh, love it so much. Um, obviously, yeah, Hugh Jackman star making turn um I like perfectly cast like you know P- uh Peter Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen it was, I like I did not watch X-Men First Class for the longest time because I love the OG X-Men film cast so much I'll tell you what X-Men First Class was still good it's it's better than the other I haven't seen Apocalypse Days of Future Past fine because fine. and like they knew they had to like bring back some of the OG people too right um but obviously I haven't seen Dark Phoenix um (laughs) no go ahead um well X2 is the best of the original three trilogy love X2 that's what everybody says I have not seen either honestly have not watched a lot of these movies in a long time so I can't even I watch X-Men and X2 a lot do not watch The Last Stand because that I mean that had other behind the scenes issues because Brian Singer wanted to do Superman Yes. Um, returns and he took James Marsden with him. So that's why they killed off Cyclops and they just completely fucked up the Phoenix storyline. Um, Rough, tough beat. Yeah. So and who directed that movie? Hmm. Who was that? <laughs> Brett Ratner, right. Another, so this is a great legacy of, of directors here. Wow. Uh, yeah. We're just living it up. Yeah. I guess. Uh, uh, yeah. So we don't mention X Men The Last Stand in my house. No. Um, I, I, I don't think I've seen it since it came out in 2006. I saw it it. in the theater and did not like it. I I saw it in the theater too, just because I felt I owed it to myself to see it. Um, And yeah, not not the the best, but uh, this first film, great, great stuff. Here's what I was thinking of with X-Men. You mentioned like Hugh Jackman, obviously, like immediate star making performance. Do we still have that now? I was thinking too of like X-Men felt like also like another one was like, Matthew McConaughey in A Time to Kill, right? This is a few years earlier, mm-hmm. where you're just like, he's on the cover EW. Nobody even knows who he is. And it's like, this guy is going to be a movie star. And then the movie comes out and people see it and they're like, that guy's a movie star. Same thing with you, Jackman. It was the exact same thing where it's like, hey, guess what? Who Guess who's a new A-list movie star? This guy. You never seen him before? Now he's Wolverine. And now he's majorly famous. And I'm like, you don't really have that now, I don't think. 
No, it's just, it's a completely different system. This was, again, we're coming out of the 90s. So, um, like, it's, and now with, like, the internet and everything, everything is so online, but I think that just puts people e even more isolated in their own bubbles. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the thing is that a lot of people conflate, like, their own bubble with reality. Like, they think, like, what they care about, what they follow in their bubble applies to real life and that's not true no and so I think a lot of people think like people who are famous to them personally like their faves and whoever they stand are like super famous in real life and that's not true at all like you don't really have people like I want to put a huge amount on the same level as like Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise or anyone but my parents know who the Toms are they know who Julia Roberts is right they know who Matthew McConaughey is right but a lot of these like contemporary younger stars who are famous to like Gen Z and like the internet they don't know who they are right to your point at the oscars which we'll talk about here in a minute uh steve martin has a lengthy bit in his monologue where he's referring to tom julia mel yeah and like one name one name people. one name and you get the joke because you know who he's talking about yeah and like a lot of like you know i i think we there was a lot of discourse around this in the late aughts um when you know the industry was really trying to make like ryan reynolds happen right he was just in a lot of movies towards the end sure so, this decade the 2000s and like you know no shade to him but my parents don't know who ryan reynolds is i wonder if they would know now you think they would not know now i think now? they would like know him as the guy in the proposal opposite sandra bullock like they know who sandra bullock is you know what if ryan gosling if ryan gosling if ryan reynolds had a tv show on disney plus they would know who he is probably <laughs> or a show like a lot of my, my parents will watch shows now. They don't really watch my a lot of movies. My parents don't watch shows. So like they, they watch more movies, but I think like, like a lot of these contemporary stars just don't register in the same way with them. Right. Um, because like the media is different too. Cause a lot of things are obviously online. So it's not the same as like, like stuff like newscasts, like on TV or like mm -hmm. magazine covers. Right. You know, print is dying. I don't know. It's true. I don't know. I've heard that. I've heard that print isn't good. And the number 10 movie the box office is What Lies Beneath, a thriller that Robert Zemeckis directed. Two movies in the top 10 for him, Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's a Hitchcockian, like just a really like quick, good thriller that came out in the summer. I enjoyed this movie, but I have not watched it a lot in I have the time not seen since. It since it came out. Probably. I feel like it has a, a pretty solid uh, film Twitter fan base. I think people do like this movie. Yeah, I think so. But it's kind of just forgotten about i think until someone mentions it and then you're like oh yeah i like that i think the twist was harrison ford's the bad guy right so it was like a little bit of a uh you were on that was unexpected because it's harrison ford right and he ends up being like not a good guy so spoiler alert i'm he, sorry to everybody he um attacks Michelle. yes uh other movies joyce so i mentioned a few i wrote down uh, I'll just read them off. I have, I, I, like I said, it's a strange year. Uh, so Boiler Room, uh, The Beach, Danny Boyle and Leo. Did you like that one? I, for a while, uh, but not into it, but that was, remember, the uh, discourse, because it was, that was like his first real post-Titanic movie. That was, yes. so, um, but it was, as, I, I recall it being totally serviceable. So Seemingly I have not rewatched it, clearly. No. Uh, other ones I wrote down that I think people enjoy that I have like varying opinions on. And then one that I think doesn't exist, but it really should. These, I wrote down these, uh, 
So we mentioned Aaron Brock, which we'll talk about later, but high fidelity. I was never that big of a fan. I like high fidelity. Uh, but uh, it was it was a popular movie at the time. Yeah, I, I have not watched that in a while either. But yeah, John Cusack, um, uh, both Cusacks, yeah. And uh, Jack Black um, and Catherine Zeta-Jones, big year for Catherine Zeta-Jones as well. Yes, um, yes. Great in traffic. Um, yeah, I like that. That was, did it come out in March? Right? This was March. And another one that was March, uh, American Psycho, Christian Bale. Love American Psycho, that was robbed. Um, should have been nominated in a lot more categories. Um, great, saw that in the theater. It was definitely a great one to watch in the theater. Uh, just completely unhinged. Um, yeah, there were a lot of spring movies I really loved. Oh, uh, Final Destination. Yes. Um, with my fave Devin Sawa. So fun story, not really fun, but just, I, I love the timing of this because so uh, two years ago in March when lockdown just started, he tweeted that uh, his daughter's birthday party that weekend was obviously canceled. So he found like uh, an open Barnes and Noble and he went to pick up some more things for her. And Julia Roberts was standing in front of him in line and he wanted to talk to her, but he didn't know what to say. So he didn't say anything. So he tweeted this. And this day was March 17th, ah. 2020, 20 years to the day of when both of their films, yeah. Final Destination, Aaron Brockovich were released. So then I, I like quoted it and I was like, you should have just mentioned that Aaron Brockovich and Final Destination <laughs> were both released 20 years ago today. <laughs> Amazing. Uh didn't see either one of those in the theater, actually. I never saw Aaron Brockovich in the theater. That was when we watched at home. I didn't see that in the theater. Um, yeah, nor did I see Final Destination in the theater. And I haven't seen any of the subsequent Final Destinations either. No, watch. I've watched the clips on YouTube. I don't love horror movies, so I just watch stuff on YouTube. Yeah, I'm not big on horror movies either. So. Uh, this is another one that has now had, like, I think a renewed renaissance. Love and Basketball, Gina Prince, uh, Bythewood. I watched that a lot. Again, did not see that in the theater, but watched it all the time on pay-per-view. Now a Criterion Collection uh, edition. You know. want to pick it up on blu-ray that's okay i don't know uh, it definitely was a movie so as has someone who lived through that at the time at least it was not as it was not an instant like how did people miss this classic i think it was kind of like just like thrown in with a lot of like teen movies at the time it felt like like even if it wasn't you know what i mean like it felt like it was in that kind of like conversation with like a maybe a more dramatic version of, you know what i mean of like 10 things i hate about all those different movies that came out the previous year i think love mask was a little bit included in that scrum but it's not really like those at all no because it's a drama yes but um i think it was just kind of people or especially like critics had like no expectations for it right it was just kind of this like sports romance drama right, right. um but yeah it just kind of like slowly but surely developed uh, a following big fan so. following yeah and yeah. Gina, uh, Prince Bythewood in, in the conversation this year just for The Woman King premiering at TIFF go and a predictor I don't predictor yet but I had the movie in for best picture I, I don't know we'll see it reminds me of Gladiator Joyce that's why I put it in there and it's apropos I guess that we're talking about this year uh Virgin Suicide did not see in the theater but watched at home Sofia Coppola breakout yeah a uh, great Kiki performance um this I I just remember that it took a year for this to be released because it premiered at Cannes the year before. Yes, yes. But it very much would have been a suitable movie for 1999. Yes. Um, so yeah, so this came out in April. Yeah, so it came out around the same time as one of my faves, Frequency. Frequency about, about the Mets, I believe. Yes, like 
uh, 30 years apart in 69.99. Just a lot of great stuff. Dennis yeah. and Jim Caviezel. And I was very annoyed when the CW rebooted it as a series a couple years ago. Did not watch that because I was like, I am faithful to the movie. <laughs> Here's one that, that I absolutely love. Saw in the theater, have not seen it very much since and actually do re- want to rewatch it, but I don't even know if it exists. It's called Keeping the Faith. You remember this movie? Yeah, I saw that was another pay-per-view movie I watched. Edward Norton, directorial debut, perhaps, uh, coming off like American History X and like his really big run of great movies with Ben Stiller and Jenna Elfman, everybody's favorite Dharma. Uh, Just a great movie about a priest and a Jewish guy who fall in love with the same girl. I thought it was cute. Really fun. I I remember loving it. I've not seen it in so long. And Bancroft, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely rewatch it. In fact, I'm going to look up to see if I can rewatch it. This is scintillating stuff as usual. Okay, well, while you're doing that, I'll yeah. just mention that um, this was kind of a sad time for Freddie Prince Jr. rom-coms. Uh-huh. Rom-coms. Because, you know, obviously the year before, she's all that amazing, iconic. But this year he had Down to You. I mean, I still like that um, because he drinks shampoo. Um, <laughs> and, but... He also had um, Head Over Heels later on this year, which uh, was not that great. So this this was kind of like, yeah, like the the teen movie era kind of on its last legs. Right. You know, in the summer we have the legendary Bring It On. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna plug I'm gonna plug my wife's book here. I know what you're gonna do. Yes, so we'll get to Bring It On in a second. That's a good tease. <laughs> we still have some spring stuff I want to just uh, run through. Uh, we said Center Stage. Did we say that one? Love Center Stage, um, I Want to Be With You by Mandy Moore. I just associate it with that movie, mm-hmm. obviously. So, yeah. Road Trip? You see that one? I wasn't huge on Road Trip. A precursor to old school, Todd Phillips. That was the first Todd Phillips movie. I think I was like, oh, this guy's making movies that I would like kind of thing. As you'd be surprised, I liked Road Trip. As a graduating college uh, senior or gra- graduating from college. Uh, yeah, I've only watched that once, so... Uh, so yeah, so bring it on, Joyce. My wife wrote a book about it. It's coming out in December. Her name is Case Wickman. You could, oh, I'm going to plug, I'm doing a plug. Yeah, tell people to pre-order it. It's on Amazon. You can pre-order right now. Bring it on. The complete story of the cheerleading movie that changed like everything. No, seriously. You could get it right now on Amazon. It's a great book. Uh, all about bring it on. Just talk to everybody involved. Great movie, by the it's way. True. And I have it mentioned a lot of times here in my potential Oscars. It's, it's great. Um, was she, did she be aggressive in the book? you have to be aggressive yes yeah so uh, being aggressive promoting it um yeah really. just a great film love it so much it came out at the end of august and one thing i love about it is that they don't win it's, a, <laughs> it's really a great movie it was one of those ones so i didn't watch i did not see that in the theater for whatever i, I don't know why i didn't see it because i really loved all those teen movies so it wasn't like i was like oh gross cheerleader movie but i just didn't see it in the theater but i saw it at home and it was one of those that I immediately was like, this movie is great. And like you said, it's because it wins. It's really a smart, it's really funny and smart mm-hmm. in a way that like felt uh, subversive to the genre, I guess, or what you would expect from the genre. Yeah, like there, there are some, I would say elements of it that, that have not aged well, but others have aged greatly or well. Like it's about, you know, cultural appropriation. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and all of this is covered in the book, which is really great. But uh, you're right. There are some parts, like some of the jokes don't age well, but it's also yeah. like 2000s comedy, right? So it's like, you're going to have yeah. like, but, uh, and also, I mean, you could argue that 
that's because the characters would have also been like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, if you're talking about teenage boys in 1999, 2000, they're going to say things that are not, uh, not appropriate, let's say. Yeah, but it's, I, I love it so much. Just highly quotable. Um, Incredibly and, rewatchable. Yeah, very rewatchable. And then just so many, you know, memes from it, Spirit Fingers, um, Cliff Song, uh, Just What I Need. And mm-hmm. so that, that song is not, so it's by the band Rufus King who wrote, it's an original song that they wrote for the movie mm-hmm. with the nominated for best original song, but that was not on the Bring It On soundtrack. They didn't mm-hmm. put it on there. I was so upset. So then I couldn't find it on Napster. So I had to get LimeWire. Nice. Found it on LimeWire. It spent like 90 minutes downloaded it off of LimeWire. And it's not even because it, there's a full version of the song, but right. the version I got off of LimeWire is just the version in the movie, which Incredible. is, minute, you know, but I, I still loved it. So yeah, really a great movie, uh, highly enjoyable. Uh, let me see other, other ones I wanted to talk about. Uh, Almost Famous. Have you heard of this movie, Joyce? I am not like a huge fan of Almost Famous, so... Wow. I saw Almost Famous opening weekend. It was a great time to be alive for me because it was the the 99, uh, the 2000 Mets were on the way to the World Series choice. It was their final uh, game of the season. That weekend, uh, it came out, I think, around my birthday. I believe uh, my birthday is October 1st. And I believe Almost Famous came out like October 3rd, maybe. Maybe it was September 15th and then, uh, you know, like a more wider release like uh, later. Out, it came out the end of September. Yeah, it, so it was it, September 22nd. Yeah. September 22nd was the release. I saw it the following week for my birthday. Just love this movie so much. Seen it a million times. It felt like a really great movie and one that I was just like, I remember thinking at the time being like, oh, that's just an immediate classic. A lot of times you used to watch movies and just be like, yep, that's my favorite movie. You know, I don't think, I don't get that sense anymore a lot of times when I watch stuff where you're just like, oh, that's an automatic movie that I'll still be talking about 20 years from now. Um, I like, I think Almost Famous is a good movie. I like, I liked it, but it's not my fave. And I just found it just very self-indulgent, obviously for very clear reasons. It's just right. based on his life, you know, camera. Right. It just, it, to me, it felt like a very boomer movie and a lot of boomers love this movie. A I know you're not a boomer, boomers, boomers, but, I guess. like, it's still like, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, like uh, there's just like certain people who love that movie um and I think like they yeah like they just relate to that kind of angst and like whatever or like the aspirations that uh what's his name uh Patrick Fugit is going through I gotta say I still reference it all the time and still like look at the world through that lens a lot uh, specifically at the end with the uh, band-aid with the uh, Feruza Balk being like they eat all the steak I think about that all the time in a lot of different capacities uh, especially looking toward uh, younger people so that's, uh, you know, because I'm old. Old man yells at Sky. Uh, so uh, Almost Famous, great. Some other ones that, like, I think people like, but I was never super into. I'll read off quick. Uh, Remember the Titans? Was that a big one for you? No, but I love the score. The, the score is so great. And they play it. Um, like, NBC started using it in their final closing credits at the end of every Olympics. Wow. for the montage because they play a whole montage of like highlights from the past 17 days i love it so much they play like the dragon heart theme and the remember the titans theme like, wow so good like sometimes when i'm bored i go on youtube and i find old olympics credits just to watch it and it's just like Amazing. it's so great when the remember the titans theme kicks in because they always the montage always starts with the opening ceremony and like you know the fireworks and the cauldron and everything it's just awesome so yeah remember the titans 
uh, great score. Uh, and then just a lot of these others, well, one I'm talking about a lot, I feel like, but uh, I'll just rattle them off. Billy Elliot, The Contender, Requiem for a Dream, saw that in a theater. Great. I love Requiem for a Dream. And that's movie. movie I know that people don't rewatch, but I rewatch it. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but I've rewatched it multiple times. I haven't seen it in a while, but I know so many people who've just seen it once because it's a hard watch. It's a hard watch. I've definitely watched it more than once though. And it's a good movie. Uh, you Can Count on Me, which it was a, never would have seen in a theater, but I loved it so much. That was great. Yeah, it's a great movie, Laura Linney. Um, that was the first time for me I've really took notice of Laura Linney, even though obviously she was in Truman Show, where I was like, oh, that's an actress I should like. And then Mark Ruffalo, obviously I'd not really seen before at all. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, oh, Charlie's Angels. Yeah, sure. Fun time. Yeah. Um, I just remember because uh, Independent Woman was the lead single off of that film. And that was the, the first Destiny's Child song with the new members. Yes. Yeah. Because they did that swap. Um, and then, uh, oh, Coyote Ugly. I loved Coyote Ugly. Great time. That's a classic Bruckheimer summer movie, if I ever, if there ever was one. Just awesome. Just a lot of great stuff. And then Can't Fight the Moonlight, just all-time jam. Um, uh, that was a good one. Really like that. Uh, about, scary movie I wasn't into, but that was like a big deal. So saw that in the theater, thought it was hilarious and uh, not really a lot of rewatchability there. Yeah. Um, Miss Congeniality, just love it so much. Rewatch it all the time. April 25th, The Perfect Date. Have that coming up. I'll have that coming up later when we talk about the Oscars. The last one I want to bring up, Unbreakable, Joyce. Were you an Unbreakable fan? I, I did like that one. Um, yeah. So that was uh, obviously M. Night Shyamalan's follow-up to uh, a six, The Sixth Sense. Came out like the next year because we talked about Sixth Sense in 99. Came out August yeah, 99. Uh, good performances from Bruce and SLJ. November 2000, here's Unbreakable. People were really amped for it. And I remember going in and being like a little disappointed because it was not a twisty there is a twist but it was not a twisty movie i feel like people do that with all of his movies so it's definitely rewatchable and obviously he's built a uh franchise out of it because they bring back bruce Willis. i have not seen those uh i saw split which i did not like and it ends as like a connection to unbreakable and then there's a glass which is like the sequel to split there's also a continuation of unbreakable um that's the, the list I, we'll bring up a lot of these i feel like there's more we'll talk about but like I said, it's a fine year for movies, I guess. I don't know. I was not like, did not love this year, but I think it's, it's a good year. It's a year. very eclectic year. Yeah. Um, and and then that it's also, since you didn't read Inside Oscar 2, yeah. like everyone was fretting because there was no clear Oscar frontrunner. So and, I read it, read a New York Times article about that, Joyce. So this was a, so we'll, we'll get into it. The Oscars, this is the 73rd Oscars, Joyce. <laughs> uh, March 25th, 2001 is a Monday. Mm-hmm. Hosted by started Steve. Started at 8.30 because they've, they've pushed it earlier now. Hosted just- by Steve Martin. Started earlier and only lasted three hours and 23 minutes, which is somehow 46 minutes shorter than the previous year. Because Stickman, Bill Conti was on it. Yes. And uh, for all of that moving and deck chairs and for all the suspense, 42.9 million people watched it down about 4 million viewers from the year before. So not, not the greatest. And like you said, going into the ceremony, uh, they call it a master of uh, the, the times here, March of 20, 2001, Oscar master of suspense. A lot of people didn't know it's a uh, Peter Bart. It's one of those years where it's very dangerous to try to predict 
in almost every category, there's a real chance for an upset. Uh, here's a quote from somebody. I don't remember what happened to this guy. I think there is going to be great drama this year, said Harvey Weinstein, chairman of Miramax, whose chocolate is considered a long shot among the Best Picture nominees. There's nothing for sure this year, except maybe Julia Roberts winning Best Actress for Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, so in Inside Oscar, just a, a lot of a lot of press about how there's no frontrunner, and even Wolfgang Puck was concerned <laughs> because with just six weeks until, with just six weeks left until the end of the year, there's still no frontrunner. There's not even a middle runner. The vacuum is so noticeable that even Wolfgang Puck, the celebrity chef who works many Oscar parties, was seen approaching a cad praxi love the lingo in Inside Oscar. Robert Ramey asking, where are all the Oscar pictures? Uh, blah, blah, blah. And then like USA Today's Mike Clark looked back from the vantage point of late December and mourned, despite a late state of cinematic salvations, many tucked away in faraway art houses, the movie year is widely considered dreadful, with some calling it Hollywood's worst since sound. Wow. Yeah. And then, so then, um, Voice of Reason, uh, Steve Erickson uh, in Chronicle of a Passion uh, just got, uh, dragged us uh, Americans here. It's become received wisdom that 2000 was a horrible year in film, a judgment that leaves me baffled. If one views mainstream American cinema as the center of the universe, and far too many critics do, only then does it make sense. And then he goes on to list a lot of uh, great international films including uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was a humongous breakout and really came on late and could have won, probably. It, uh, it's something that probably could have won now, but I didn't, even back then, I just, I was like, they're not going to give this to a film that's not in English. Right. And also won a far, what was then foreign language film, so it had an easy out there. Uh, but it was, it, from this Times article, it was, until November or December, there was remarkably little agreement in Hollywood about which films issued last year would be honored. Uh, not until the year-end releases of Traffic, You Can Count on Me, and Crouching Tiger did the award season begin to come into focus. And yet with all that, Gladiator led all nominations uh, and I believe had a, like how many, 12? And at 12, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon had 10. So the thing was, because there was no late breaking film, like Traffic came really late. I love Traffic so much. It came out December 27th. Yes. Um, I saw it in a theater. My friend and I, my friend who was obsessed with American Beauty, we saw that in the theater and that just became like our favorite movie. Great so, movie. and then we like rewatched it all the time. Um, and then like, so our, both of our birthdays are in June. And so my, mine is June 1st. So in 2001, my birthday was on a Friday. Moulin Rouge came out on my birthday. Mm -hmm. So then I was like planning my party for the next day. And then we were like, what if we just have a party at like our birthday parties and show traffic and then I was like well I also want to see Moulin Rouge so I didn't want to see like back-to-back -back movies so then she was like okay then her birthday is June 24th so she's like okay I'll show it at my birthday party so then her birthday party we watched traffic it was like just I don't know how many teenagers show traffic at their birthday parties <laughs> probably not a lot but it is yeah. a great uh great film yeah, but uh, anyway, that, that came out late and I feel mm -hmm. like maybe it could have uh, built more momentum had it come out earlier. Um, but basically, you know, there was no front runner and then DreamWorks just saw an opening and then pounced with Gladiator, their so, summer hit. Right. And then they just like built this campaign 
around this film and pushed it, like basically forced its way as this, like sort of like Miramax style basically um, as like, this is an option. It was a huge hit and it plays in, into like the old school, like sword and sandal epic. Yes. You know, and Here like we... Martin has a joke in the monologue about like, you know, Charlton Heston, he thinks he's in Gladiator. Yeah. Uh, here was Tom Ortenberg, co-president of Lionsgate, who said, I had definitely had a sense right after the nominations were announced in February that Gladiator was the film to beat for best picture with its 12 nominations. Uh, but in recent weeks, I have sensed a distinct narrowing, he said, and Crouching Tiger or Traffic could realistically win. So I guess going with that, if there was a little longer season or those movies had picked up a little more momentum earlier, maybe they could have pulled up an upset. And based on how the night played out, I think it would have been Traffic, not Crouching Tiger. That would have won, obviously. Oh, yeah. For- Traffic had five nominations. It won four of them. The only category of loss was Best Picture, presented by Traffic star Michael Douglas. Yeah, this was a night where a lot of nominees presented awards. Did you notice that? I thought that was like interesting. Not even just for the categories, but like Tom Hanks presented, uh, uh, Kate Hudson presented, a lot of different people. They had Michael Douglas, obviously, for you know, in, in part of Traffic. Uh, just you know, I don't know. Um, and going into it people were maybe like you said like kind of moving off tra- uh, gladiator because sag went with traffic this is like a, a well gladiator so, so yeah so sag, i mean that makes sense though for the ensemble right um because that like very deserved win but gladiator um had won the globe for drama it won the globe and the bafta yeah it won the bafta bafta was uh before, before the oscars at this point um, and I also won Critics Choice, uh, which uh, not still not uh, or different than the Critics Choice of today. At yes. This point, yeah. Um, that's that's good. Yeah, and yeah, and then um, the so and then Directors Guild. So the other thing, obviously, Steven Soderbergh, we haven't mentioned yet, double nominee in directing for Aaron Brockovich and Traffic. So DGA went to Ang Lee for Crushing Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and then. Um, you know, people just thought like Stephen would split his vote. The also. Globes went with with Gang also. Yes. So yeah. So this it, it felt like, and you know, he's coming off. Of, I mean, Ice Storm, not you know, kind of a flop, but coming off of Sense and Sensibility right. from five years before and everything. Right. So it felt like maybe it was like Ang Lee's time too. Um, but obviously Stephen Soderbergh won director, uh, too. So yeah, it felt like if Traffic had more time and came out earlier, then it maybe could have won. Um, but yeah, Gladiator took a lot of uh, best picture wins or high profile best picture wins. Right. Uh, but we talked about this, I think you, you we were talking about this on Slack yesterday. And we'll, now we'll go through the ceremony here like usually in the things, but it definitely feels like to me, this is like one of the last ones where there was so much doubt about all these categories, including like, you know, it's not wrong what Peter Bart was saying, but like picture, director, actor, and supporting actress, I think we're all really, really up in the air. That's four yeah, of the six is, categories. We, we talk about this basically every current Oscar year. And this is like the, the early 2000s before the ceremony moved to the end of February in 2004. Like they were great. Like they were still full of surprises. Like it's, it's the landscape has also changed because now of like the internet and press and like it's sure. much more of like a, like a machinery with like campaigning and stuff. Right. But yeah, like these are the last few years where you, you still had surprises. And it's great. I mean, it's we would take one category to surprise us now. This had four different winners yeah, that I would say were like surprises. Past Oscars, 
literally zero surprises. Right. And this had four, literally four, because especially because I think after Steven Soderbergh wins for traffic, the gladiator win is not assured at the end, even though it won four awards. Traffic won an acting award, screenplay, editing, and directing. And so at the end, like when they announced gladiator, the the gladiator team is ecstatic and actually shocked. You could tell they're surprised based yeah. on how the night went. So it's like a great moment. Even if going into the ceremony, you were like, oh, gladiator is going to win. Like it wasn't a, like in the final accounting, it's not like a surprise that gladiator won. Right. But I mean, it is a surprise based on how the show played out, I think, in, in the live moment of time. Yeah. And it, it was always. Yeah. Even the, I remember back then, like at that time like reading all the articles and the prediction stories, like everyone was very split right. about it, right? It was very much up in the air. And like, I think it leaned more towards Gladiator just because it, it won more Best Picture awards and it had the most nominations, but it wasn't a done deal. And it was still like the final total between that traffic and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's like pretty evenly split, right? like, like their actual wins. So you could say it was really between the three of them, although I think Crouching Tiger was still a pretty distant third. Um, and, I think go too, based on how it played out. Yeah, but it, you know, most of those wins were crafts. Um, but yeah, like we just don't get these surprises anymore because like people don't think for themselves there are too many awards um, and like everything is too tightly bunched. Remember when the Oscars were February 9th, two years ago? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not what you want. This is why I want it back in March. And then, but everything else stay in January. Do like, keep like, you know. I think that would be good. And yeah. also every, yeah, everybody but us stop talking about it. We're the only site that can talk about it. Choice. Uh, <laughs> so we do it, go through the, uh, I wrote down a few, the opening, the red, the red carpet scenes are not on the, in the Oscars playlist, but this entire ceremony is ripped onto YouTube. So you can watch. Yeah, you could just go Google that. Uh, I'll just read off some I wrote down and you can tell me what you got. I got uh, a multi-talented star of film and records, Jennifer Lopez. Um, great stuff because this is also two months after uh, she released J-Lo and The Wedding Planner and was the first person to have a number one album, a number one record in, or no, that's the same thing, number one album, number one movie in the same yes. week. And I love The Wedding Planner. And then when she, so she presents right after Ben Affleck presents. Wow. Great stuff. There's and also then, another love connection later that I thought I, I kind of pieced together on this as well. Yeah, well, I'm, like, I mean, they they presented at, they've been at Oscars together before, but it was just right. funny that they were back to back and then right. the orchestra played an orchestral version of Love on Costa thing. Amazing. So, yeah. Uh, no one wants to sit next to him at the banquet, Sir Anthony Hopkins. That's not true. Um, <laughs> uh, they, they, they kick things off with, we've watched her go from teen actress to full-fledged Hollywood star, Winona Ryder. Incredible. Uh, another one I got, this is a good, a great callback, especially for us who have watched a dozen, a decade, a dozen of these. There's nothing like a Dame. In this case, nominee and former Oscar winner, Dame Judi Dench. They're there. stealing his line, Joyce. I know. Like, you know, like there, there's nothing wrong with it. So if, if you're stumped, just go with what works. I wrote um, down, I got two other ones I wanted to say, because they both go with the theme that we've also uh, seen that even now here in 2001, just incredibly awful, stunning Catherine Zeta-Jones and her actor-producer husband, Michael Douglas. I love that because it also makes Michael Douglas sound like he's a nobody, like he's just like a random actor-producer, not a two-time Oscar winner. It somehow is insulting to both of them. Yeah, it's just really good stuff there. Um, <laughs> this one just, again, poor grammar as usual. 
the Oscar-nominated daughter of Oscar-winning actress Kate Hudson. You need to say Goldie Hawn in there. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, this was the other one. She will always be the pretty woman. Oscar nominee Julia Roberts. I mean, can we give these people some credit? Catherine Zeta-Jones are the two great movies. Like you said, High Fidelity and Traffic, obviously. Should have been a nominee this year. Wins an Oscar next, uh, the following uh, two years from now, I guess, for yeah. Chicago. Uh, Julie Roberts is an Oscar winner. Everybody knows she's going to win. She was the one predicted that was so obvious. And we're still re- uh, denigrating them as just uh, attractive. But it's, all, I mean, like, obviously that's a pun, but yeah. it's like everyone has made this pun already oh, for the past 10 years. <laughs> so then the show opens, Joyce, with a uninterminable, I believe is the word I was looking for, montage of clips of the Oscars through time as it hurdles through CGI space and lands in the space international space station because yeah, i don't i don't know if you're aware but this ceremony took place in the year 2001 and so gil cates who loved to come up with a theme never met a ceremony he didn't want a theme was like 2001 a space odyssey let's do it so so the best part of inside oscar was that they were just the disdain they had for like the oscars asking uh gil cates to come back because the previous ceremony was done by the xanax um, and it was a great ceremony. We love the ceremony. Great yeah, ceremony. They, but they had always said we're just one and done, right? So they got Gil Cates back. And so this is just just text from Inside Oscar 2. Um, one prayed that Gilts had at least taken notes while seeing the improvements Richard and Lily Finizana had brought to the ceremony last year. But not only did he announce that he was hauling out musical director Bill Conti again, he seemed to possess sadistic tendencies because he uttered the five worst words any Oscar viewer could hear. Debbie Allen is coming back. <laughs> it was a toss-up as to what was more surprising, that Cates had so little respect for the audience that he would again hire this woman, or that with her saving Private Ryan tap dancing number right up there with the Snow White and Oscar, Snow White and Oscar Infamy, Allen wouldn't have had the grace and good sense to just say no. Wow. Yeah. Uh, hard to argue that this ceremony is better than the previous. I think that previous ceremony rules. And a lot of the stuff when we talked about that 2000. Uh, ceremony a lot of the 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 production aspects of it i think have carried through to modern oscars a lot of the camera movements and just the general sense of how it looks felt very more modern compared to the gill case yeah, this style. one aesthetically not great and then just there's nothing the only thing memorable about the actual production of it itself is steve martin so steve martin's first time host howling laughing at this monologue joyce steve, i am just the biggest steve martin fan he's so funny his delivery is perfect just his, his it's so good i i prefer his second stint which is two years later yeah. um but this i i also i like i remember lots of lines from this one too and then even like like not just from his monologue but later just his interstitials when he's just presenting presenters it's you know really like funny. when yeah when he does like best actor and then he lists like all the characters and then he's like oh like they're all me <laughs> In, incredible joke that i write i didn't write that one uh no, I didn't write that one down, but it is incredible because he's like every one of them. It's like a really funny joke when he does the best actor. Yeah. I, I wrote down, here are some of the jokes I wrote down, Joyce. Uh, Ellen Burstyn, she made herself look 30 pounds heavier and 20 years older and Russell Crowe still hit on her. Russell Crowe looks like he wants to put a phone through Steve Martin's face at that point. Well, he initially will do it to a batch of producer, so, so uh, or eventually we'll do it. But uh, yeah, the the Russell Crowe reaction shots just all time. Um, uh, this one I love talking about uh, the 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 Oscar nominee Kate uh, Hudson Joyce, who is twenty one years old. I love welcoming young stars to show business because it reminds me of my own death. The one I I loved was 
when he was talking about like violence in movies and he's like I took a nine-year-old to see Gladiator and he cried throughout the entire film now maybe it was because he didn't know who I was incredible joke the delivery is perfect delivery is so good it's all about the delivery <laughs> he has a great dick here I sent you this one talking about uh what was the movie uh before nightfalls which got Javier Bardem his first Oscar nomination Joyce uh, a movie about a homosexual poet quote this is Steve Martin quote I'm quoting him a movie about a homosexual poet persecuted by hostile military forces a movie the rapper Eminem called quote the feel-good movie of the year love I I'm the biggest Eminem stand love a good Eminem joke so who will win an Oscar in two years when Steve hosts again so incredible and then he closes out the monologue hosting the Oscars is like making it love to woman it's something I only get to do when Billy Crystal is out of town Billy Crystal who was uh filming America's Sweetheart yes yes he's a little too busy yeah uh so Great. I, I, Steve Martin, I thought was great. I, 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 like I said, I don't think the production of the show is that great. Uh, and it's n- nothing really stood out uh, to, otherwise from the, the, the production and the show and like a lot of the jokes, but Steve is awesome. Like yeah. that was my takeaway from the show in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for, for best picture choice, we could, we just talked about this, the most competitive best picture race maybe we've done, honestly, I would say on this, the nominees were Gladiator, which one? Chocolat, Chocolat. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, and Traffic. Now, four of these are great movies. And then there is Chocolat. So there's a Chocolat. I, I can't remember the last time I watched Chocolat. Probably just, you know, 22 years ago, whatever. Yes. Same. Whenever it came out. Um, it has a lot of, it gets dragged constantly now as being like the LOL, like Harvey push that got in. Because I was like, almost famous, definitely sixth place here. Well, I have Almost Famous for sixth place for sure. But actually, I was wondering, what if Billy Elliot was sixth place? I don't think so, because I don't think that was like, it, like it, it was like a liked film, but it wasn't like a monster hit. In the but way it got that, the director nom. Yeah, but you know, you know, we've talked about what the directors do. I know, I know. I'm just um, but I like, have Almost Famous and Billy Elliot right there. I don't think seven. it was like the same huge hit like the full Monty was. No. No, it wasn't, but I do think it was six and seven. I think in an expanded ballot, it was. Yeah, like I have that, I have those two back to back, like Almost Famous and Billy Elliot um, in six and seven. But so yeah, Inside Oscar, just a lot of dunking on Chocolat and blaming it. I think it's Chocolat. Chocolat. Um, On, oh my God, I can't even find it. Uh, On Harvey, obviously. And then... Oh, so this was, oh, so this was um, after Gladys, so after the Oscars, so after it won. Um, so Bob Strauss on the LA Daily News, he wasn't a, a big fan of Gladiator, um, but then he, he called it mostly violent, mind-numbing nominee of the five. So he was just like complaining about everything. And then he says, uh, we should be elated to see Bite the Dust, however, is Miramax Films' relentless efforts to promote mediocre work to Oscar glory. The Academy reacted strong to being bamboozled into nominating the soft-centered Chocolat for Best Picture, resulting in a Miramax shutout. Maybe now the company will consider going back to its true glory of making films like The Crying Game, The Piano, and Pulp Fiction, which aesthetically timid Oscar may not have liked all that much, but was forced to show respect for. Now, if only the voting members had been a little had been a little more restrained to the equally emphatic Oscar pimping ways of DreamWorks, the studio that pushed so hard for Gladiator and Best Original Screenplay winner, Almost Famous. 
it is funny or ironic or whatever the word is that like uh, Miramax did come up as like an edgy you know thing and then it by this point it had corroded into just the most middle brow Oscar bait nonsense that like is just trash and a lot yeah, of these movies so many quotes like in here from Harvey like defending chocolate obviously and then he he like challenged a writer like someone who gave the movie a bad review like I dare you to like pick any random theater in the U.S. And then poll people afterwards to see who hated it. So they actually did that. They picked a theater in DC and everyone loved it. So he's just like, see, everyone loves this movie. It's like emotion, emotion. That's what it's about. It just is like, it's funny, like taking such a wrong, like rather than like bending to the will of like, rather than getting the Academy to bend to the will of the movies, the company decided to just bend to the will of the Academy with this trash. Yeah, it's like, they're it's, it's basically for a lack of a better term, just dumbing down to them because they're just appealing to emotion rather than to like uh, intellectualism. Correct. So here's the thing though, tough year to come up with 10. I have, so I have Billy Ellen Almost Famous. I have Castaway, which I think- would I have also have Castaway and then I have Meet the Parents. I have Meet the Parents as well on the idea that it was a major hit that people really liked. It was very likable. Mm-hmm. And then the last spot, I have three movies that I'm not sure any of them would have gotten in. And I don't even know, I definitely think Shock, even now I think Shock a lot would have gotten in as crazy as that is, if you have this list of movies. Uh, but I have You Can Count On Me, Wonder Boys and The Contender vying for the last spot i don't know if contender would have done it because that was like you know it was slightly controversial yeah um so i also have wonder boys and you can count on me um i think you can count on me would definitely get in now i think it would get in now too yeah. and i think chocolate might still choice i don't know I, I don't think i think it might have i i think it could do like it's still i remember it just being totally serviceable and it's got a lot of acting like, i think the actors would have pushed it through sure. and then like its message is totally like run-of-the-mill as well you know it's, it's about tolerance and so yeah so for winner here joyce gladiator wins i actually don't know what i would pick i think i would still go with gladiator but i really want to pick traffic i would totally go with traffic i love traffic so much okay i have to rewatch traffic but I think I would pick Glad. I don't think it's like, all I'll say is I don't think this is the wrong pick. I don't think they made a mistake. I don't have an issue with Gladiator winning. No. It's it's like the same way I feel about uh, Saving Private Ryan and Shakespeare in Love, even though like yeah. Saving Private Ryan is my favorite movie. Yeah. Um, but I, I like in a way that Gladiator won. I don't think it's a perfect movie or the best movie of this year of 2000, but it is. And I know part of its win is because of this heavy campaign that DreamWorks put behind it to get it to the forefront because like over that summer it was not talked about as a best picture hopeful like the way that like saving private ryan was even because no. you know, no. that came on july in 98 um so i know like the campaign had a lot to do with it but it is cool that this like summer popcorn movie that's just basically kind of like turn off your brain entertainment really yeah. um but it does have like a very a, a sort of like emotional through line because you know he's like avenging the deaths of his kid right. and his wife so uh there's like it tugs on your heartstrings on that and like a lot of entertaining coliseum fights and everything so it is like i don't think this type of film will win now so it is kind of cool to see it win because it's I, it's it's still not a typical best picture winner so i think it's funny that we spend a lot of energy and oxygen talking about how like 
Academy doesn't take superhero movies seriously now, but I mean, Gladiator is a superhero movie, basically. Yeah, but it's just in a in the Coliseum, and, and it's like sword and sandals. But like they, we know, like they've responded right. to movies like that. But I'm just saying, like, it's funny that no one mentions it as like, oh well, this actually movie has one within the last like two decades, even though it's not a technical superhero movie. It is he's like not in, he's not in tights. It is like the same kind of thing, though. It, the beats are the same, and the spectacle is the same. It's actually better than most superhero movies because I think the effects are way better, and it won for effects, which it should have. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't know. I think I would still pick Gladiator. And then best director choice. So Steven Soderbergh wins for Traffic. Fuck yes. Steven Soderbergh, one of my favorite directors. Uh, incredible Iconic year. speech as well. And he was drunk during the speech. Iconic speech, getting ready to go back to shoot uh, Ocean's Eleven, which is another one of my favorite movies. Uh, just Love Ocean's Eleven. And Julia, she hasn't started production on Ocean's Eleven yet. So no. she's just two days. Yeah. Uh, this guy is just an absolute, just a legend. Here's, I just want to read off the run here of movies. He does Out of Sight in nine. This is like, he's done obviously like Sex, Lies, and Videotape and these, you know, Grey's Enemy, uh, King of the Hill, all these like serious indie movies. He comes out in 98, Out of Sight. Absolute banger. Love it so much. The Limey. Totally rules. Aaron Brockovich in Traffic, same year. Arguably as good as Jurassic Park and Schindler's List for Steven Spielberg. For a director doing two movies in one year. Then he comes um, <laughs> yeah and then yeah and then that 2001 december 7 2001 oceans 11 oceans 11 my faves. absolutely iconic 2002 full frontal and solaris he get that's one for him solaris was a polarizing movie oceans 12 which i think is the greatest sequel of all time love it so much mm. superior <laughs> to oceans 11 it is a fantastic movie no uh totally rules the bubble which was a not a great one good german fine Ocean's 13, actually good also. Shea, part one and two rules. Uh, just an incredible run. Contagion and Haywire in the same year in 2011. Magic Mike. No, who's better than Steven Soderbergh? Um, well, you also didn't mention producing the Oscars last year. I don't, I don't remember him producing the Oscars. Did that happen? Um, yeah, so, you know, that, that guy that no one wants to sit with at the banquet, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Um, they presented his category last. That was oh, wow. like, even so. That must have been wild. I should go back and yeah, look. Yeah, and that. you know, he didn't go to the ceremony. No, really? Yes, no. but that's what it ended on. You know, just Joaquin Phoenix nominated this year for Gladiator, presented to the guy that no one wants to sit next to at the banquet. Uh, so Soderbergh wins for Traffic. The other nominees were Stephen Daldridge, Billy Elliot, Ang Lee for Crouching Tiger, Stephen Soderbergh for Aaron Brockovich, and Ridley Scott for Gladiator. An absolute coup that Stephen Soderbergh won for Traffic. I'm really glad he won. Uh, I think he probably won for both Aaron Brockovich and Traffic. And I think somehow the, the consensus was Traffic was the one to pick. I don't know how they did it, but that was what they did. I mean, it was very obvious that like Traffic was the more, uh, the, the bigger artistic achievement. Because he, he also was the cinematographer on this. He used a pseudonym for it. And I think people know that. Yes. That he, he used a, a pseudonym. Who, what was it? His Peter Andrews uh, is his pseudonym Peter for- Andrews for yeah. cinematography yeah, it was, he, was, he, he usually was does his own editing but he didn't edit this one Steve Mirion yeah and like I mean traffic is great because you know obviously a, a triptych three separate stories and then I mean kind of a crutch you use like color, color coding to differentiate the settings you know no like um on screen like location right it's a crutch that he created though I feel like it was yeah, not at the time great. I loved it so much because it's just something that people did a lot yeah like it and it works for like all three, even though now like people drag like, oh, why do you, like everyone uses yellow to like show like hot places like Mexico. Right. 
and stuff. But um, yeah, it was great. And then the way, the way it was put together as well, like, like most of these people do not meet in this movie, but Mm -hmm. you, you can still follow everything and it just flows together really well. And I, I thought like the ending was great. I'll, actually, the ending for like all three of the chapters was great. And but I think you know people view this as like the bigger achievement. Where like Aaron Brockovich, great movie, but it's still just kind of like oh, you know, you're you're pretty traditional, not a biopic, but just like a based on a true life or real life story. It's just like a courtroom drama without the courtroom, basically. Yeah um that that also had great cinematography as well like similar to the the san diego uh lighting that it he did he didn't shoot it's funny he did not do uh, uh ed lockman did aaron brockovich which is another he's another great cinematographer um yeah i'm really glad steven soderbergh won for this and i'm as much the, the thing that kills me is another category where i was like wow i just look at this and i'm like i cannot believe no one's given ridley scott an oscar right for directing have produced gladiator and I think he probably, if he was ever going to win, he would have won for Gladiator. But I also don't think you could deny Steven Soderbergh. But no one, the thing was, was like, no one was even predicting him to win for Gladiator because everyone just was no. like Ang Lee. He Not at all. And Ang Lee obviously has won two directing Oscars, so I don't feel bad that he lost for Crouching Tiger in the end. Like, I think it's fine. But I do feel yeah. like Ridley Scott really should have an Oscar and this would have been his Ang best Lee, shot. Ang Lee is just part of chaotic Oscar years because he obviously lost here in a year when Steven Soderbergh won with double noms didn't vote split and then his movie didn't win and then Ang Lee obviously had the Brokeback crash split mm-hmm. and then he won for Life of Pi when Ben Affleck was snubbed right yeah and both those ones I'm very glad he has I think Ang Lee is a great filmmaker but I'm I'm so thrilled for Steven Soderbergh and like you said great speech uh, really great moment. Um, other people I wrote down, Joyce, for this category. So like we said, the, so Stephen Daldry did not get a Best Picture nomination, but did get a Best Director nomination. And then the others are all uh, Best Picture nominees. So I have, uh, because of that, I have Lassa Hallstrom for Chocolat as my sixth. Your favorite filmmaker, Lassa Hallstrom. Who is referenced on the telecast by a guy named Kevin Spacey, who comes out and says, where he's shooting a movie in Nova Scotia, which I believe the is shipping the, news. the Shipping News, which is another Miramax middle-brow trash Oscar bait movie uh, that did not yeah, work. And, and he he had uh, forgotten his talks yes. in Nova Scotia, and then Judy Dench had to bring, bring it to him. When she so I've lost Alfred as, as the alternate director. I also think Robert Zemeckis should have been a seriously consideration for Castaway. It's a technical achievement uh, uh, that is really remarkable um yeah yeah I don't I don't recall anyone even like mentioning him no I don't think so either but I do think and especially as his if you look at his filmography now I think it is like one of his best directorial efforts I don't know um other people I wrote down Cameron Crowe for Almost Famous though obviously because he was going to win writing maybe not necessarily a need to give him a directing nomination and I think even if Almost Famous got nomination for best picture he still would not have gotten in for best director no and the funny thing is, is like, there's like a quote from Inside Oscar after they interview him about the nominations and Almost Famous being snubbed. And he's like, it's fine because, you know, it is what it is. And he's like, you know, uh, our actresses got in and you always want your actors to get in because then more actors want to work with you. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, other people I wrote down, I was wondering, I don't know, again, if maybe now, maybe these guys would have gotten more serious consideration. Uh, Sophia Coppola for Virgin Suicide, I think there would have been a big push to get her in now. I don't think she would have gotten in then. 
no there was like no talk no chance ed harris for pollock i think would have gotten a bigger push now um yeah but that that the release for that movie was also just kind of they like spc sony pictures classics i think that they it was their number two after crashing tiger right a lot of vhs tapes for that one joyce as we'll talk about when we get to Marsha gay harden who won for best supporting actress and then uh i wrote down uh darren aronofsky for reckoning for a dream i would love like i i have him and mary heron for american psycho like who would never get in neither of them would get in neither would get in but those are the kind of i think i think you could maybe now reckoning for a dream would hit in a way that would get him in yeah because it, it would be like the film twitter pick now yeah uh, and this is before Darren Aronofsky became somehow problematic or whatever. So I think like- Aronofsky, now, Darren Aronofsky is there with uh, Ellen Burstyn, ba- totally baby-faced, like sitting next to It's door. so cute. He looks like a little boy. Uh, anyway, Steven Soderbergh, just, I love it. Love that he won an Oscar. I interviewed him for Ocean's 12 Joys. I'm not even kidding. I think Ocean's 12 is like a remarkable achievement. I don't, I don't hate it as much great. as a lot of people hate Ocean's 12, but- They're wrong. I- I don't rewatch that or Ocean's 13. Maybe oh. watch Ocean's 11. Oh, I love I love all of them. Uh, but anyway, best actor choice. Russell Crowe. We were entertained. He wins for Gladiator. The other nominees are Javier Bardem for Before Night Falls, Tom Hanks for Castaway, Ed Harris for Pollock, and Jeffrey Rush for Quills. So you have two former uh, best actor winners. Russell Crowe maybe getting a makeup Oscar here for losing The Insider and Javier Bardem ascended and Ed Harris. So it's funny because like no one was predicting Russell Crowe to win for the insider. And I don't even recall there being that much outrage of him having lost. It was just like, oh, this like up and coming star finally got like an Oscar nomination. Right. But there wasn't like outrage about it. So it's not makeup in that sense. It it feels like, um, you know, they, they were just, it was like his time almost, but obviously as we've talked about also a very split race, the only precursor televised precursor he won was Critics' Choice. So right. because the Globes went to Tom Hanks, uh, Comedy Globe went to Clooney for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, uh, BAFTA went to their hometown boy, Jamie Bell, Billy Elliot. Mm-hmm. And then SAG went to Benicio Del Toro for traffic. Right. Right. Because, so it, the, the way SAG works is that you actually have to submit people in the category, unlike the Oscars, where the voters can just nominate people wherever category they want. But SAG, it's like pre-submitted categories. And then in Inside Oscar, the USA Films um, head, USA Films distributed traffic. They were just like, we we just decided to see what would happen. Like, he's like, it's no loss for us if he didn't get in. So we was just like, we'll just submit him and lean and see what happens. And if it works, it works. And it did. And he won. Yeah. Uh, like, not only did he get in, he won. <laughs> pulling at the thread of a sweater that we've been pulling. If Denzel Washington wins for Malcolm X over Al Pacino, which he should have done, and then Tom Hanks wins over Russell Crowe for Castaway, which I think you could argue maybe he should, because again, Tom Hanks does not have a third Oscar and uh, should. And I think this would have been his best shot at that in the last like 20 years. Then does Russell Crowe win for Beautiful Mind over Denzel for Training Day in the next year? But then you're also, are we still keeping true that he assaulted a BAFTA producer? Yeah. I don't think people care. Do you think people care? No, I don't think like it's, 
I mean, he at this point he still had his like bad boy reputation because this is right. also coming off of his affair with Meg Ryan. Yes. Um, on the set of Proof of Life. Correct. No, but I think like, I think like violence is something. We've seen that with a guy named Will Smith, Joyce. Oh, uh, what happened there? Uh, I think he slapped Chris Rock. Oh, really? I missed that. Yeah. I see. You got to watch these Oscars, Joyce. You're missing so much good stuff. You know, I just, it's just hard to watch them now because you just know who's going to win and it's just not interesting anymore. You know, I, I need, I need some shockers like Marsha Gay Harden. Um, I, I mean, I guess, like, do you think, do you think he should have won for a gladiator? Um, yeah, I think like it's, I don't have an issue with the win. Me neither. Um, and it, it's like, it's also not, it's like also in an atypical win too right because right. it's not the type of you don't think of this as like a, a, an oscar bait type of role and i think like every just like with best picture and the state of that race i think things aligned for him to win this too because um i like jeffrey rush was not winning um ed harris he probably felt really good after marsha gay harden won <laughs> but he was not gonna win i don't and think like, there was this, any this is his baby like he, he directed this he's been working on right. it for like a decade right um javier first nom congratulations to him and Tom, I still, at this point, I, like back then, I didn't think he was going to win because I thought it was too soon for him to win a third Oscar. And I think that's really what it was. And I think it was also like, it's Tom Hanks. We'll just give him a third Oscar some and other And he time. wasn't nominated for 19 years. Right. And that's the problem, I think, is that it just was like, oh, we kind of blew our shot. Like in hindsight, you wish he would have won for Castaway because I think it's a great performance. And obviously he should have three Oscars based on his body of work, but at the but, time, but that's it's like, still such a close period of time because right. Philadelphia, 93, Forrest Gump, 94, yeah. Castaway, 2000. Right. It's not that long a spread. And like you said, like we said, like I understand why he didn't win. And I think it makes sense that Tom, that Russell Crowe won when you're looking at it like that. But I do wish that Tom Hanks had a third Oscar and I think he could have won for Castaway, I guess. Uh, Joyce, I have some, some people I would put in. So I have Jamie uh, Bell for Billy Elliot instead of Jeffrey Rush. Uh, Jamie would have been good BAFTA winner, um, but you know, he was, he was still a young boy. And then how do we get Mark Ruffalo in and who do we bump for you can count on me? I mean, he, he fits the Ed Harris spot. That's so I, I boot Ed Harris out and put Mark Ruffalo in, uh, Mark Ruffalo and you can count on me. Just an iconic, like, holy cow, this guy's like the next Brando performance. It's so good. He's incredible in the, in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's a really great film. Um, I, I would do uh, Christian Bale, obviously, for American Psycho. Christian Bale, American Psycho, really great. Uh, no notes there. So yeah. good. And then how would you find room for Chow Yun-Fat and Michael Douglas? Um, I mean, Javier is really good, too. Uh, I don't, like, I was thinking, I was like, I don't think Chow Yun-Fat would even get in now for the movie. Because, no, like, because saw... like, the, the best performances in that movie are Michelle Yeoh yes. and Zhang Ji. Yes. Yeah. So, I um, mean, I, I had Chow Yun-Fat down too, but like distantly. Yeah. Another guys I mentioned, I thought Johnny Depp for Chocolat. Sure. And Bruce Willis for Unbreakable would have never happened. I think in hindsight, this would have been a nice nomination, especially with Bruce's health problems that forced him to retire from acting. But uh, he's great in Unbreakable. It's a really good performance. I, I think it would have been more, I don't think either was likely, but I think it would have been more likely for the six sons and we didn't mention this movie at all yet but uh, george clooney for oh brother or art thou he won the globe but it was it this was just like a, a stepping stone for him yeah 
um, eventual Oscar success. So for best actress choice, the pretty woman herself, Julia Roberts wins. Uh, incredible. So I rewatched Darren Brockovich last night. Incredible performance. So good. Very deserving. The other nominees are Joan Allen for The Contender, Juliette Binoche for Chocolat, Ellen Burstyn for Requiem for a Dream, and Laura Linney for You Can Count on Me. Great, great, great list of actresses. Great list. I mean, my personal favorite is Ellen Burstyn, but I have no issue with Julia's win. Everyone knew she was the only lock of the night, really. Um, Even, uh, Harvey or I guess Weinstein. you could pick Tiger for a foreign language film, too, I guess. Right. But yeah, like this, this was like her time everyone knew it and yeah it's a great performance and it's 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 the type of like it's an like, like an important film I guess it's, it's about an issue right and it's, it's kind of like sort of like an underdog like take on the world type of thing as well and she brings down an evil corporation and it's a real story and but it's also like such a movie star performance and she's so great in it and like to go back what we were saying earlier about like you know, movie stars now, like, or movie stars are no longer born now. Like, it's the same type of thing here. It's just like, she, like, it, the, she just like, is so luminous on screen and everything about that performance works. <laughs> I, I think, I think there's, maybe I'm wrong. Cause I think people really do love Aaron Brockovich and understand this. But I think if you ask like a normie, they might be like, oh, that's like a blind side, like kind of win where it's just like movie star doing something. But I'm like, Aaron Brockovich is so much better than the Aaron blind side a better movie than the blonde side and i think the reason that it works is because like you said it is a pretty typical like movie star stuff and the movie is like underdog story and all these things but the way stoderberg does it and the way they do it it's both very natural like all the perform like it is a movie star performance but and like no one else in the movie is a real movie star but everyone is great around her she's he surrounds her with like an incredible supporting cast that totally knows the material the way it's shot is awesome the way it's edited is amazing and it's just a great movie in addition to being a great movie well written like there's so many hilarious lines like a lot of great burns so much dunking that's all you got lady yeah yeah. like two wrong feet and fucking ugly shoes still iconic and then i just love like even at the end you know she she gets burned by albert finney when like he gives her the car and stuff like so great uh her speech as you were called earlier joyce uh stick man uh gets a lot of play i see you stick man she has a five minute speech, basically. Um, I don't think it's, I think the whole video is five minutes, but it's also the presentation. I think it's a four minute speech, basically. Yeah, but I uh, love the speech. I still remember watching it live because they obviously saved that, that was the last acting category um, and saved that one for last. I remember her getting caught in her dress and Benjamin Brad having to help her up. But again, we've talked about previously in other uh, past playbacks, just people being happy to win. She's thrilled. She's, yeah. She's so happy up here. She loves it up here. Yeah. And she loves it's the great. world. It's yeah. great. Uh, yeah. And like you said, this is a great list of nominees. I don't have really, have, I think Joan Allen and the contender is awesome. I love Joan Allen. Uh, Julia Pinoche and Chocolat. I love Julia Pinoche. Not so much Chocolat. Uh, Ellen Burson and Requiem, incredible performance. And Laura Lenny and You Can Count on Me, I feel like is an unbelievable performance and maybe would have a lot of film Twitter love now. Yeah, that's the film Twitter pick. She won, she and Julia split the critics, the top right. the big three and also um, NBR. Uh, and, and even the note, she was, I think they said she was in a day show about it. And then she was like, oh, uh, uh, Julia, when I love Julia, she should win. There's an anecdote in Inside Oscar um, that says uh, even 
uh, Harvey Weinstein told Julia to vote for Julia Roberts. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, this is a good lineup. I would uh, do Michelle Yeoh for Crouching Tiger. I would bump Juliet. Yes. Uh, I, I think that's a really obvious one. And now would easily happen. Mm-hmm. The other one that had a lot of buzz that I don't think is actually that good is Renee Zellweger for Nurse Betty. That was like a fall uh, kind of like, this is going to get an an Oscar. And uh, it was not, not, not. Yeah, didn't again, happen. it was just a uh, Renee uh, ascendant, like awards ascendant because right. uh, in 2001, uh, she will have um, Bridget Jones's diary and then yes. she'll get nominated for that. Next and then Chicago and then Cold Mountain. Yeah. Like, so she won the, the comedy globe for Nurse yeah. Betty. So yeah. Uh, the people I wrote down that I think I would really love to talk or just get up would be Kirsten for Bring It On, not Virgin Suicides. Uh, Kirsten, Great stuff. Uh, love Kiki. Um, Bring It On. I would also do Sandra Bullock and Miss Congeniality. Yes, I have that one down too. And I think those would have been great. Uh, and I think now if it was 2022, uh, Sonali Latham would have gotten a little shine for love and basketball. She would have been talked about i guess she could have gotten like a new york film critics uh, circle best actress winner because they just do that type of stuff now yeah <laughs> uh so that's best actress love julia the best uh best supporting actor joyce benicio del toro wins for traffic the other nominees are jeff bridges for the contender willem dafoe for shadow of vampire albert finney for aaron brockovich and joaquin phoenix for gladiator Joyce, I love Benicio. He was an easy win. I think Albert Finney should have won for for Aaron Brockovich. Very sad that Albert Finney never won an Oscar, RIP. Uh, It's just a great performance. He's so committed and so good. And it's like got all the, like the, I think it has all the parts. I understand why Benicio won. And I was way into Benicio winning at the time. But I just think, I wish Albert Finney would have won an Oscar and I yeah. don't know where you would have given Benicio one that's the only issue like I love that Benicio del Toro has an Oscar I don't know what else he would have won for though so I guess it's fine but maybe it would have been nice if if they could have figured out a way to get them both an Oscar like Albert Finney won at SAG like you said because Benicio won best actor so yeah I mean I mean Benicio was nominated again for 21 grams but that was Tim Robbins yeah year um yeah, I love him in, in traffic. Great performance. I love his final shot when he's just like watching the kid. Oh, so just, great. Like, devastating. And like so much of that performance is internal. Um, and yeah, um, obviously also mostly Spanish. And I believe he didn't even know Spanish. Like he wasn't no. fluent in Spanish. So he just learned. Spanish. It's a great, I mean, it's a great performance. I'm yeah. not knocking at all. And I'm glad. Yeah, he won, it, just, just it just sucks. It, it, it's a miss, right? Like Albert Finney never won an Oscar. Right. And he's so good in, in the movie. Uh, Joyce, I wrote down other people uh a lot of other people as usual with the supporting categories for men especially usually there's a ton of of contenders uh billy crudup for almost famous just love that performance i think he's so good uh as russell hammond uh gary oldman for the contender was a i think a sag nominee gary um was already upset that he was being pushed supporting because he considered himself lead right yeah uh robert de niro for meet the parents do you consider him lead or supporting? I think he's lead that I would fraud in supporting. I, I think like definitely now he would be frauded in supporting. Yeah, he's a lead, but I would fraud him in supporting. Yeah, he was nominated lead at, at the Globes, but I also have him here in support. It's kind of like the Jack Nicholson in Batman thing. Yeah. Again. And, um, then two, uh, and then two Soderbergh guys. Michael Douglas for Traffic, I think could have made a real, it seems like he would have gotten in for this. Um, I, I think he would have gotten in for Wonder Boy as an actor and not for this, but I think uh 
like that's like a twofer for him. So I think people were more surprised that he didn't make it in for um, Wonder Boys. Mm-hmm. I think like he, I think he's he's good in Traffic. He's just like the the concerned dad who yeah. kind of he's. It was a part that uh, Harrison Ford was gonna play. Yeah, they wanted Harrison Ford. Um, but yeah, he's he's this like conservative judge, and he just at the end, you know, he kind of sees the light and like the issues with like the war on drugs. <laughs> yeah everything and he vows to listen um yeah a good performance i don't know if i would have given him an oscar nomination for it though and then i have aaron eckhart down for aaron brockovich too that's a good support that, that would get now it would get a lot of like critics mentions definitely. i think so he's really good in it even though his character does i think his characters you're not i don't i don't agree with the character because i think he's like a dick to her because like he's just like pick me over your career and she's like go fuck yourself and rightfully so uh and it does it in a nicer way and at the end it ties together because she gets to take him to see like all the sacrifices that he made like helped her as well like i think yeah. it's a really nice button on the movie but uh um yeah, yeah i also have jared leto for Requiem for a dream i love that movie so much he's great in it he's People, incredible you know these days just forget that he's a great actor he also was an american psycho great american psycho yes um uh, but I, love that. I, I love that performance. I love that whole cast. Um, so he would have been a good nominee for that. Like he had just a lot of great scenes with um, Ellen Burstyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's awesome in it. It's yeah. And then great. like the phone call scene of Jennifer Connelly, just good stuff. Uh, anybody else before we move to supporting uh, actors? No. And that, yeah. So Benicio. What a thrill. Yeah. Benicio, Julia swept and Benicio was like the next biggest sweeper because he he lost critics choice to uh joaquin right uh no mention joaquin there i remember thinking fine performance really good villain you want you can't wait for his character to get killed and then he gets killed and you're like good uh it's totally fine he joaquin had a great time at that ceremony he did he looks i like remember him just being very psyched for everyone everyone who was winning so wonder boys we talked about briefly any shot of robert denny jr or toby mcguire here no Supporting actress choice, Marsha Gay Harden, the shocker winning for Pollock. What a thrill. And then the other nominees were Judy Dench for Chocolat, Kate Hudson for Almost Famous, Frances McDormand for Almost Famous, and Julie Walters for Billy Elliot. The consensus was that Kate Hudson was easily going to win this. I wouldn't say easily, but she felt like the ingenue pick that yes. they would gravitate toward. Yes. But a, a- Gwyneth Paltrow type win. A great category or, or a great race rather because it was split all the way because Kate won the Globe, Francis won Critics' Choice, Judy won SAG, uh, Judy Dench won SAG, sort of a makeup because she didn't win SAG for Shakespeare in Love. And uh, unsurprisingly, Julie Walters won BAFTA. So four of them had precursors and then you had the surprise nominee, Marsha Pollock, who only won- Marsha Gay Harden. Yeah, Marsha Gay Harden. Um, she had no nominations at any of those televised precursors. She only won New York um, critics, film, film critic circle. And yeah, so people, I remember back then, like a lot of people predicting Kate, cause it was just like, you know, Godie Hans daughter, she's the right age. And that was like, you know, Penny Lane, like star making performance yes. as well. And I, cause this is the second category and Nicolas Cage presents it because Michael Caine is filming, so he can't come back. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, that was like a huge 
shocker. A it was total like, shocker. Yeah, not as surprising as like Juliette Binoche beating Lauren Bacall because she was way more of a consensus pick, but still just completely left field. And you will never see this again today. <laughs> so Joyce, you were, you, we both read this for the, in preparation for this. Marsha Gay Harden did a great interview with Matt Jacobs. I'm, I know Matt, I'm a, I'm a, he, I would consider him a friend. I mean, I read this last year when it was published. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> talked all about this victory and how surprising it was. It was she, great stuff. Yeah. She, she credits the uh, VHS tapes. Yeah, this was a thing back then as well, I remember, because there was also controversy because they uh, could only send either VHSs or the new thing on the block, DVDs, to voters. Uh, one or the other, you had to choose. And SPC had accidentally, in quotes, they claimed shipped both versions of Crash and Tiger, Hidden Dragon to members, and they claimed they only sent out the VHSs because the DVDs weren't ready yet. Anyway, uh, they also had Pollock and they just bombarded voters with VHSs of Pollock um, because Pollock also just had, was in theaters for one week to qualify for the Oscars and that was it. Yeah. And so then they were just depending on the tapes, the at-home viewing. So clearly people watched it. So I had not seen Pollock when the Oscars rolled around yet, but then when they were playing the clips and then her clip, when after that played, I was like, wow, that's a really good Oscar bait clip. And then she wins. <laughs> so, and she says that, I think I, you guys really, you watch the tapes. She says yeah. it in her speech. That's like her first thing. She's like, thank you for watching. And like, it's incredible uh, in that interview. That's what she says. Yeah. So, and she also, like she said, like you said, it's something that would never happen again. It was, you know, uh, seemingly. Yeah. So in a separate interview in 2019, she was interviewed by uh, HuffPo. And then she said, so she said, I wasn't nominated for a Golden Globe. I wasn't nominated for a SAG. I was nominated for an Academy for uh, it's missing an award here and I won. And so I look back and I'm like, wow, that happened to you. You're so lucky. You were so blessed that happened to you. And then she says, now this is in 2019 today. I don't know what would happen to me. It seems to me it's like a different world. It seems astonishing that it did and wonderful that it did. And it's true because now it's just rubber stamping all the way, sheep, hive mind, everything's samey, samey, unless for some reason, like a lineup doesn't match up. Yes. You know? And in her interview, does she, uh, so she also talks about how everybody was happy for her except for maybe one person. Yeah, and then this uh, got a lot of pickup or uh, th th this is the, the noted pickup by all, the, a lot of other sites. Just the aggregators every, really love that one. Yeah, just everyone all over the place. Um, picking up this, let me see, where uh, too many tabs, Joyce. I know. Well, this interview is also very long. So she also thought Kate was going to win. Seemingly, everybody thought Kate was going to win. Yeah. So uh, she says here, um, when they call my name, it was a blur, blah, blah, blah. And that, so she also prepared a speech. Well, it's funny. I think that must have been a thing. I, I was, I read that in this. And then when you watch the ceremony back, a lot of people were like, I wrote it in the car in 45 seconds. I think, you know, every year they do the Oscar nominees luncheon and they talk about being prepared and oh, like yeah, having no, they, it. They talk about that in here too. And I think a lot time. of people yeah. did that. Yeah. Bill Cates obviously wanted to run a type ship. So and everybody came, came, multiple people went up there was like, I got my 45 seconds. Here I am. So she was one of them who did. This. Yeah. So she, so then Matt talks about Oh, yeah. So he's basically saying the same thing we were just talking about, like how nowadays it feels so stale by Oscars night. It's the same for people winning every single award, even when it's deserved, it becomes a little dull. So it's to see a thrilling win like yours, where everybody thought it was going to be Kate or Francis or whatever is so exciting. Um, and then she says, like, 
it feels great and it's like it's like great to see like new blood and then so oh my god this is so long um okay so and then by the way I felt the girls were really happy for me as well there was one I will not mention but it wasn't Kate who seemingly wasn't so happy and then she gives this long long answer about her Harry Winston jewels that she had to return because they were rented um and then Matt uh loops back to Julie he he just make, makes a joke about Julie Walters being upset that she won. And then Marsha Gay says, it's not her. And then she says, but I would never say anything negative because what a night. <laughs> and then- What a thrill. Yeah, what a thrill. <laughs> so then Matt says, but the other two people in the category, Francis McDormand and Judy Dench, both had won Oscars in the past five, a few years. Uh-huh, yes, she says. But one of them was less than, satisf- less than satisfied. And she says, and I'm friends with Francis McDormand, there you go. So people, you can't blame them. No, she says right there. I mean, yeah, there's like process, process of elimination. Yeah, Judy, Judy Dench is the only one left. Right. And then, so then, yeah, so he says, so Judy Dench, cause he, he says like, Francis doesn't give a shit about awards. And Marsha Gay says, yeah, Francis doesn't give a shit. So whatever. But then Ariane picked it up that yes. Judy Dench was unhappy. Yes. <laughs> she lost to Marsha Gay Harden. Yes. And then Marsha Gay Harden had to clarify that but she never met Judy and she actually doesn't say that she wasn't unhappy though if you read between the yeah lines. and you don't have to have met Judy Dench to know that she was unhappy you right know? though I gotta say Judy Dench seems like a really a great straight shooter someone who is totally understands everything I like have the utmost respect for her there's no way she thought she was going to win for that movie or performance I just don't know and that. she had already won two years before that and she was surprised that she had won for Shakespeare in Love maybe right? she was surprised that Marsha Gay Harden won but I don't think she thought right. she was going to win and maybe, yeah, and again, it's tough to tell, you don't know in the moment who could, you don't want to read people's faces and too much into it. And like, whatever, I, it got aggregated around, but hopefully all is well in the, in the Marsha Gay Hart and Judy Dench text chain. Yeah. They, they, uh, you know, may, maybe Marsha Gay voted for Judy in Belfast. So Joyce, coolest of nominees here, right? Like we said, uh, I'm not like, I love Kate Hudson and Almost Famous. I think Frances McDormand was like a shocker because like you weren't really expecting her and she's actually not in it very much. I think that shows the affection for Frances McDormand as a performer well, with the she, Academy. She was critics' choice. Like she was like showing up places. She was showing up places, but it's not a role that I think- She wasn't gonna win. Anything. I don't think like people, like most people were predicting Kate to win. And then Julie Walters for Billy Elliot. It seems likely that Kate and Frances probably split the vote enough to help Marsha win, I would argue. I also think this was a really close race. Cause like you said, everybody won something. And so- Seems like there was probably a good consensus split among the four besides Marsha. Yeah, and I don't know. I think maybe if like Billy Elliot were a bigger hit, then maybe like Julie could have won. Like I don't think Judy was winning because this. I think if Julie, if Billy Elliot was Best Picture nominee, Julie maybe could have won. Like Judy was just an afterglow nomination. And Uh, here's why I, I wish this is what I was looking at. So many great people not on this list. This is a great year for supporting actress contenders. You could actually I mean, fill Catherine out- Catherine Zeta-Jones, who was nominated at the Globes. So Catherine Zeta-Jones nominated at the Globes. Kate Winslet was nominated at the SAG Awards for Quills. Not one of my favorite Kate Winslet performances, but you know, at least we'll mention her. But the two I was just like, or the really the three, I think, beyond even Catherine Zeta-Jones. Jennifer Connelly for Requiem for a Dream obviously wins the following year for Beautiful Mind. I would have nominated three-fourths of that cast. <laughs> It's an incredible performance. And obviously it was one that kind of came out of left field because I don't think people were taking Jennifer Connelly serious as an actor at this time. 
and certainly helped her. Well, it's it's like a with beautiful a very mind adult turn. Yeah. And I think it definitely helped her beautiful mind that she had this in the back pocket that she had the previous year showed that she was like someone to be uh, not taken, somebody to be taken seriously and then won the next year. So, but I still would have nominated for Recommend Dream. It's incredible. Uh, like you said, Zhang, uh, Zhang Zi for Crouching Tiger definitely could have gotten in. And then she she would eventually be snubbed for Memories of Geisha. So yes. And then I have Erica Christensen down for Traffic too. I just love that performance. It's a great it's a performance. Really performance. And I feel like that's one now that would have gone a lot of like breakthrough performance. Uh, Erica Christian was the Sydney Sweeney of her time. I wouldn't go that far. No. Uh, this is a great, like, honestly, don't, don't, like, don't insult her like that. That's not an, uh, a knock on Sydney Sweeney, but don't compare them. <laughs> uh, I think, no, I think they would be, I think Erica Christian in, in the 2000 would have been in, in euphoria if there was a show called euphoria at the time. No. Uh, Anyway, it's a great performance. I just love her in the movie so much. I think she's great in traffic. And it was definitely one of those things like, oh, wow, take notice of this actress. And she's great. And like I said, we've been rewatching Parenthood. You know who rules? Erica Christensen. She needs to um, do something else now that Parenthood is over. Which yeah, is over. well, Parenthood's been over for years, Joyce. Yeah, I'm like, I know. That's why she needs to do something else. <laughs> uh, and usually when we do these, I'm like struggling to find other supporting actress contenders. It's not always the strongest category, but this you could actually have like- Well, it just depends five, on the year. Some years are very weak. You could have literally five different nominees than the one that they had, and it still would be a good list, I guess would be my case. I, I don't understand how Catherine Zeta-Jones didn't get in either. Just seems impossible to me, but there you go. She'll win later for Chicago. I, saw, I still love that performance because she um, is basically like a, a, a female version of Walter White before Walter White, which is also great because um, her husband in the movie is played by Stephen Bauer, who is yes. Don Eladio yes. um, in the Breaking Bad verse. So, but like that's, you know, she's just like plotting and scheming while pregnant. It's great. And she's just looking out for her fam. Doing great what performance. You do. Yeah, great stuff there. So. so that's the acting categories. We go to original screenplay and adapted screenplay. I have a few, I mean, but we just, we usually do these um, solid winners. Cameron Crowe for Almost Famous wins. The other nominees were Billy Elliot, Lee Hall, Aaron Brockovich, Susanna Grant, Gladiator, David Franzioni. John Logan and William Nicholson. And then you can count on me, Kenneth Lonergan. Love that Cameron Crowe won for Almost Famous. Feels right. I think Kenneth Lonergan would have gotten a lot more shine now. Though I think if I had to pick an alternate to Cameron, it would have been Susanna Grant for Aaron Brockovich. Cameron Crowe winning, it just felt like it was kind of a make it win of sorts just for like Jerry Maguire. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like Kenneth Lonergan won WGA against... Uh, so he beat a, a Cameron Crow. So right. usually that spells good things. Um, that usually lines up if if your competition was ineligible or um, at WGA because we we have a lot of those because you need to be a member of the guild to be nominated at Writers Guild. Right. But yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't have given it to him. I would have probably done. You can count on me. Um, I just I'm not an almost famous person. Joyce, it's so good. No, Uh, Um, I would have nominated. Haven't mentioned mentioned this movie yet, but I've nominated Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy for Best in Show. So I have that written down, and I have Jessica Benninger for Bring It On. Joyce, my wife wrote a book about Bring It On. Did you hear about this, Case Wickman? No, I haven't. You've you have not mentioned this 57 times to me. Let me mention it one more time. Case Wickman. 
bring it on the complete story of the cheerleading movie that changed like everything no seriously but jessica benninger great script i think it would have never got nominated obviously and like even now i don't think it would but it is really good script it's super fun it's a good script uh the other people i wrote down were m night Shyamalan for unbreakable and then cast away but i don't think either of them would have gotten in uh, no i i also would not do either of them but... and then for adapted screenplay joyce uh stephen uh gagan wins for traffic given out by arthur c clark i believe live from space yeah do i have that right um yeah and tom hangs had to intro that so he wins for traffic. Chocolat was a nominee. Robert Nelson Jacobs, Crouching Tiger, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, The Coens, Wonder Boys as well. Those are the five nominees. Traffic winning is great. Love it. The only other ones I wrote down were Requiem for a Dream and Virgin Suicides, both of which I think would have gotten. I have Requiem and um, American Psycho. Good, good, good adaptation too. Uh, but I, this is one of those years where I'm not mad at these wins, these screenplay wins. Traffic is great. Should win. Yeah, this is a great traffic win. Um, yeah, and again, traffic one, directing, acting, and screenplay. <laughs> and editing. Yeah. But, so oh. Gladiator is the first uh, best picture winner. Well, okay. So if, if you want to, if you don't count the now defunct category of best story, which is not an actual award for a script, it's just the concept, uh, the greatest show on earth won that. So if you don't count that, um, like the last movie to win Best Picture without um, a writing or directing award was All the King's Men. Wow. So, but then the funny thing is two years after this, Chicago does the same thing. It wins Best Picture without directing or screenplay win. Yeah. And then I gotta say, I don't think, I would have definitely not given Gladiator a screenplay win. I Like I said, I think you could make the argument for Ridley for winning director. It is a great movie, but I understand why he didn't win. And obviously I'm not going to take away Steven Soderbergh's Oscar. It's the, it's, it remains really good. For score choice, I wrote down this one because I was just like, really a heavy hitter list of, of composers here. So uh, Tant Dunn wins for Crouching Tiger, great score. Rachel Portman for Shock A Lot. Not my favorite Rachel Portman score, but love seeing her among the list. Hans Zimmer for Gladiator, like you mentioned, just an iconic score. So good. Um, and that's, you know, constantly used in uh, montages. Uh, yeah, and trailers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ennio Morricone from Milena, which I am not familiar with. And then John Williams for The Patriot, which I don't remember the music to at least. I do not recall that at all. Um, I would definitely add Clint Mansell for Wrecking for a Dream. And I added Cliff Martinez for traffic. I think those two should easily be in there. Like right? especially now, like rec- that requiem score used in everything. The only thing I would wondering, Joyce, I didn't, and I didn't look this up. And so, you, if you're still here, you could blast me in the comments. But I'm like, was it actually not eligible because it's not enough original material, right? Because it's with like the Kronos Quartet, and I imagine some of that stuff was like previously published. I don't know. Like what they, they change that constantly, like the right. percentage of original music. I wonder if it was eligible. I. I got to say, though, I don't think it even would have mattered because I don't think they were even considered. No, they haven't. Like The the only nomination I got was um, Ellen Burstyn. Like, it was not anywhere close to getting in. Um, But yeah, they changed the percentage of, like, they changed it again this year as well. Yes. Um, So I don't know. They they just do all that. Would you give it uh, to to Tan Dunn for Crouching Tiger or go with Hans Zimmer? Um, I'm, I'm fine with that one. Yeah, that's a great score. It is. It's just, like... The Gladiator score is iconic. It just is always funny to me when the iconic, iconic score does not win. Gladiator is an iconic score, but 
What do yeah, you but it's also like I don't mind when they lose to good that's true winners right that's fair uh an original song choice oscar winner bob dylan for things have changed live um, from australia yeah also performed live from australia uh mm-hmm. the other nominees were i've seen it all dancer in the dark first time we're mentioning bjork joyce uh she was wearing a swan dress heavily I, I i did not hear about that tell me more about this swan dress. uh it, completely missed like, this back then she dressed like a swan wow uh, Love Before Time from Crouching Tiger and My Funny Friend and Me from The Emperor's New Groove were the nominees and A Fool for Love for Meet the Parents, Randy Newman and Things Have Changed Wins for Bob Dylan, Wonder Boys. Great. Good, good. Congratulations, Bob Dylan. This is when we were giving Oscars to every gray-haired boomer rock star, it felt like. But not to, um, like, not to Sting. And not to Eddie Vedder, who I'm still waiting for. Um, Oscar. Or Bon Jovi. So not everyone. Basically just Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, sure. Fine. Anything else, Joyce? Uh, that was the ceremony. I, I didn't really write down anything else. Uh, from the ceremony itself, like we said, they did a, a Dino De Laurentiis wins the Thalberg Award, I believe, right? Yes. And uh, who wins? Uh, and Jack Cardiff wins an honorary Oscar from, Denzel, uh, from Dustin Hoffman, excuse me, British cinematographer. Speaking of cinematography, Joyce, uh, so you mentioned Julie Roberts is there with uh, Benjamin Bratt. They were dating at the time. Mm-hmm. She uh, gets to present cinematography. Yes. And says, uh, let me see if I wrote it down. Did I actually write it down? No. But she, she presents cinematography and says, oh, we really wonderful thing. We look like if we didn't, it wasn't for cinematographers, we'd be doing radio, I think is her line. Something akin to that. And uh, cinematography win goes to Crouching Tiger, right? Isn't that, that's right. Yes. Uh, and I just found it really fun because she meets her husband, uh, Danny Motor, on the set of The Mexican, which is shooting in 2000, comes out in 2001. So it was like- Yeah, that's pre- how they met. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she, she, it's funny to me that she gave out the Oscar for cinematography and then later met her husband, who is still, ha- they're still happily married, it seems, uh, decades later. So that's they, really fun. They just celebrated their 20th anniversary on July 4th. Right. Because they got married on July 4th, 2002. They met in 2001. And here she's in 2001, earlier in the year, presenting cinematography. The world works in mysterious ways, Joyce. You never know. I know. Well, you also remember the drama when they got together because he- had broken up with his like long time girlfriend at that yes. point too yeah. so um and yeah so like she and benjamin bratt were do you remember i remember they when they broke up like three months later like they broke up that summer her and benjamin bratt and then she had to promote america's sweetheart right and then she goes to her favorite late night talk show late show with david letterman and he obviously like grows her about that and then uh she she said that her iconic line was that you know i i love benjamin he's just not my man anymore great line yeah she's, i love this is a great time for julie ascendant is it possible to be an ascendant moment for julie roberts it's like the peak of julie roberts right here it's i i would say it's more of like a culmination that's of, a peak right that's the, the peak right? i mean like it's like yes like winning an oscar is a peak but it's like it was like building up to this so like yeah like we, you know? we like we talked about obviously like explodes in 90 still magnolias in 89 pretty woman then does a bunch of bunch yeah, of she hits. dominates the 90s with rom-coms she comes back in 97 my best friend's wedding she does conspiracy theory which was the actual hit then stepmom notting hill runaway bride aaron brockovich in 2000 follows it up with a mexican american sweethearts and oceans 11 in 2001 and yeah. then takes a little bit of a beat in 2002 yeah, she, she got married and she had kids 
Mona Lisa Smile in 2003. Closer, incredible performance, I think, in 2004 with Ocean's 12. Great performance as well, where she plays herself at some point. Yes, she uh, was pregnant with her twins. Incredible. And then comes back, Charlie Wilson's War. Uh, so like, this is like, she now she's on like the, not the tail end, but just like, not as, not as yeah, a guarantee. Not a tail end, but not she a tail end. Really, like after she started a family, so she did less stuff and then she did all different kind of stuff, like more dramatic stuff. And she's a great dramatic actress. Uh, this is a hot take, but I actually, and I know the movie is, I think probably not very much, not very considered, but I really like her in August Osage County. I think she's good in it. Well, she's also a lead um, who yeah, was okay. fun at supporting. But I think she's really good in it. I, th- I do think she's good in it. Yeah, um, she's, she's fine. Like the movie is rough. I will never watch that again. Um, but yeah, no, she's good in it. And, you know, she's she's done great TV work as of late to Homecoming. Gaslit. Um, and now Gaslit. this year back, Ascendant again, Joyce, Ticket to Paradise, which I know you and I- George Clooney. Cannot wait. Bring it back the rom-com with movie stars. This is I, this is easily one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Uh, directed by Al Parker, who you might know from Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she she still does great work. And so to to go back to the lack of surprises now at the Oscars, she was only locked this year, right? Everyone knew she was winning Best yeah. Actress. Um, and she got a lot of play during the ceremony because everyone was just mentioning her. I think, who was it? Who was like, was it Mike Myers who was presenting? something and then he was like he he just makes a joke he's like Juliana like he well he was a jerk uh, Mike Myers because he does best sound and he's like can you this is the moment we've all been waiting for you're yeah, never he's like Julia yeah it's gonna change the industry sound and he like kind of really denigrates the winners in a way that I was like is he producing the yeah, 2022 like Oscars a passage in in inside Oscar about like uh someone I think from like the sound branch like complained about that but anyway um, yeah, like got a lot of play that night because everyone was talking to win. She does win. Um, if you recall, when she was nominated at the Emmys for The Normal Heart in 2014, same year that Matthew McConaughey was nominated for True Detective. Yes. Both of them got a lot of play that night because everyone expected them to win. So her category was first. Literally every commercial break before that, like they would tease like, and coming up next, Julia Roberts. And then like, well, Julia Roberts won her first Emmy. And even she, like, cause they hear it over like the thing. She was like, what? Like, why, why do you keep talking about me? She loses to Kathy Bates who also beat her for the Oscar um, misery over Pretty Woman. And so that was a surprise. Emmys can still surprise you. Oscars never surprise you anymore. Not anymore. And- but maybe, Joyce, hope, hope springs eternal that this year they will. We already had one surprise. We're recording this uh, like, uh, moments after not moments but uh not to date it but uh killers of flower moon not here anymore for the oscar so you never know what's gonna happen not here allegedly uh not here allegedly but also it has like nothing's won anything yet so i don't know why you even say that but anyway go back to this again matthew mcconaughey everyone's expecting him to win drama actor at the emmys loses to brian cranston right so emmys can still surprise you which is why i still don't understand when people want the Emmys to move their calendar to be in the, in the winter, like with the Globes and the Oscars and everything, like that is terrible. Like it's great that it's far apart from these other award shows. It's a different calendar. So we have different winners and they're still capable of doing their own things. Partially now it's because of the limited ballot. <laughs> so they only watch like three shows, mm-hmm. but they're still capable of surprises. Even when we have had seven seven sweeps the past two years the main ceremony you know they're in other categories they're still capable 
of giving us surprises. The Oscars don't do that anymore. This is a great one, Joyce. So we're doing, this is a bonus one. We're doing, I think, one more. And I believe it's the, the 2007 Oscars. So you and I can talk all about what has to be one of our favorite. I, I think it, it, we definitely think it's one of my favorite movies. I, and when I, I think you probably agree is. Uh, the, the Departed is the a movie Departed. that I had to beg my friends to go see with me in the theater. <laughs> I have so many great stories. About this. So we'll talk about that one next. That'll be the, the last of these bonus episodes. And then we will we'll put Oscars playback to bed for, for the year. But uh, this is fun choice. We went very long, as long as Belfast, I'm sure. Uh, this is probably longer maybe longer alright goodbye for all things Hollywood competition and awards head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at goldderby